Welcome everybody to the third episode of Streaming Talks. I appreciate you listening to the last two previous episodes with Barley and Andy. Um, it was a lot of fun doing episodes with those guys, so go check them out. And today, well, this time you're listening to this episode, is episode three with Mr. Scoot. He's a partnered streamer. Um, he's a former comic. And uh, without further ado, Mr. Scoot, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm a little gassy, but thank you for asking. <laughs> Would you eat uh, a bean burrito? What What's making you so gassy, Scoot? I had, I had Popeyes, and I know everybody's going to immediately like say, why is he saying it like that? That's how I say Popeyes chicken. I always like it too fast. I say Popeyes, and people get really upset. But I'm like, it's very fun to say when it comes out. Like it's very Popeyes. Like it's it's a fun word. But I had that today, and so I'm feeling it. But uh, other than that, I'm great. That's good. I you know what? I don't think I think I've only been to Popeyes once. Uh, I I, don't, I wouldn't know what I want to order, but. Chicken, because it's a chicken place, so just order chicken. You're not really going to go wrong if you just order some chicken from Popeye's Chicken. Is it really Louisiana fast, Scoot? I have to know. It's so no, actually, they're they're slow as hell, man. I, I swear, I swear to God, every time I go into this this goddamn Popeye's, they it's it's there's like a line out the door, or even if there's not a line, it's always like I I swear, it's always a trainee every time I go in, and I go in often. And I don't know if they're just their turnaround is so crazy that they're firing people left and right, but it's like there's always a new person who's taking my order, and it's not like it's that complex. Like I said, it's a chicken joint. They have one of two items: spicy chicken or not spicy chicken. <laughs> and yet somehow they're always out of chicken, the one menu item that they provide. So it is not fast it's incredibly slow but their chicken's not delicious and drives me back there every time well it's good to have you on here and i think people are going to be a little upset that this is a queen podcast and unfortunately the trailer has a quite a few f-bombs but <laughs> yeah yeah i'm gonna have to try and keep my uh my myself under control i i tend to be a potty mouth but that's just how you have to express yourself man you know the world's my canvas and my vocabulary is the <laughs> uh we known each other for a little while now um i believe i ran to your stream around i i safe to say 2015 2016 maybe uh you're playing some super nintendo uh wrestling game uh do you remember when you first found my stream or <laughs> anything like that uh it's like if my mind wants to say, of course I remember when I found your stream. But I'm going to be honest, man, no, I don't. And not like in a like a bad way, just in a streaming has been so encompassing to me that everything kind of blurs together now. So I'm like, where did I meet you? I just feel like I've known you for years, but I don't remember the first time I saw your channel or when I got in there or whether it was through like Andy. Uh, I remember you being in my channel. But yeah, I don't know, man. I wish I could pinpoint it down. Otherwise, I just know like I've known you for a long time and I've seen you. Yeah, and it's kind of like a thing too. Like sometimes you see, you hear names or you know of people or people are in chats, and then you like you hear about this person, you hear about this person, and it's like, all right, finally, I'm gonna go to their channel. You know what I mean? It's like one of those days right. too. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So, um, Scoot, you know, people know you for being, um, you know, 
uh, a former comic. If you're more streaming more than anything else these days, um, tell us like what it was like starting out in comedy. Uh, do you remember the first time you made someone laugh? I really wish I could remember the first time I made somebody laugh. I just, in my mind, I just remember that I was always, always trying to make people laugh, like from a very young age. And that I knew that that was the best feeling. Like anytime I made anybody laugh, I saw that they were happy and I wanted to pursue that. And so I was just always doing that. Like I was not a smart kid. I mean, okay, I'm like, I'm like, okay, smart, like more street smart. But I, I was never like, I never applied myself in school. I, I never got the best grades or anything like that. But I didn't care. <laughs> like I was like, I just, I like making people happy and that makes me happy. And so I kind of just focused on that. Whether that was for good or bad, I don't know. Uh, but uh, no, I, I, I don't know. That that that's when it was just it was like elementary school on really. And it was the first time I was around people. I mean, from then on out. And uh, how did it make the? How did it make you feel uh, making people laugh? Did you like it because you can brighten someone's day up or? Was it just simply, man, this is kind of cool. If I can make people laugh, I can do a lot of things. Well, as a kid, yeah, you just you just feel that energy. You don't know where it's coming from or what it is. You know, when you grow up and you learn about these sort of things, you learn that you're an introvert and that you get your, <laughs> or that people steal your power and that you get power from other or something like that. I don't know how brain stuff works, but uh, I just knew that. I, I couldn't do a lot of other things. Like I had a stepbrother who was very uh, athletically gifted uh, from a young age. Like he was he was the typical jock bro who, like this kid was like five and he had a six pack. It was disturbing, like really disturbing. But he you know he he could play all the sports, do everything, did all the awesome stereotypical man things. And I was just a tall, lanky, nerdy kid who could make people laugh and that's what I I, I just focused on because I was like well that, I'm good at that I'm really good at that uh, and then video games too because I remember I could uh I could beat my brother at uh, Super Mario Kart so I just that was that was all he could beat me at everything else but Super Mario Kart I could whoop him and I focused on that and I'm still focused on that I bet he doesn't even remember I mean I, I was the uh, the youngest of two and uh, that was like the one thing like I got very good at video games, even though they hogged the console the most. <laughs> For some reason, uh, I, I just spent a lot of time playing video games somehow, mostly the Game Boy, because they would always take over, you know, the N64 or whatever it was. Right. So you you get the Game Boy and go sit. Did you because remember, do you have the big old grip, the brick one or did you have like a pocket? Because I had always had to. You didn't have the lights back then, so I always had to sit in the corner of my room right next to the table lamp and just sit there forever, like just hold up next to a lamp because you couldn't see anything, but you were just, you had to keep constantly tilting the screen towards the light. Yeah, I uh, I sat in the couch quite often next to the lamp. I actually had the Game Boy, the Game Boy Pocket in color. I think people forget about Game Boy Pocket. A lot of people forget about Game Boy Pocket, yeah. It's either the big gr brick one or then they go Game Boy Color because... I think technically the Game Boy Color is a different system because Game Boy Color games are slightly more powerful and, well, they got color, but it's sort of like a different system. I don't know. But yeah, a lot of people skip over the Game Boy Pocket. That was, that was a, a revelation. You're like, oh man, it's small now and it doesn't drain the batteries. And you know what's really weird is that like, I don't remember playing, I mean, I remember playing Pokemon and Pokemon Gold and like those popular titles, 
it was like I only have like one or two good games, and the rest of them were like Rainbow Six, uh, Warlocked, like all these like random games. I don't know how I ended up with them in my collection, but I don't know. It's just really interesting. Uh, so you talked about you know your way of laughing is kind of like was your your talent. You know you weren't the most athletic person. Um, where did that take you as far as you going through high school and then uh, you you graduate? Uh, what do you do from there? Barely graduate. Uh, I <laughs> I just kind of meandered my way through high school, uh, and it wasn't until senior year, like literally just at the end. I, I took a lot of computer classes during high school. I thought that's what I wanted to do for a long time. Like for a while there, I got sidetracked. I was like, I'm going to be into computers. And uh, so I took like every computer class uh, uh, twice a semester, every semester, like till the end of my, my high school career, all four years. Uh, I was pretty good at it. We like learned how to put together computers, run servers, all this stuff. I you could I, I could not tell you any of that crap anymore. Like that stuff's completely washed out. You know how like your brain just like you have enough information. It's it's a hard drive. You only have so much storage space, and then you put enough useless information in there. You have to delete something. And I'm pretty sure somewhere along the line, or from alcohol, I've deleted. Uh, all of that knowledge of learning how to do and plus it's all obsolete now because it was like early 2000s you know windows pcs like none of that matters anymore but so i did that for a long time and then senior year um i started getting into other activities i tried out for sports which was stupid i just my friends were in it so i tried doing like cross country and stuff like that which is dumb because i hate running i don't want to run the only time i want to run is if something's chasing me do you know what i mean like if i'm gonna die that's the only time human beings should have to run is to get away i don't i don't understand the run for fun thing that's just it looks painful when i see people doing it uh and so i did that it was terrible and then there was a uh, a musical and a lot of my friends were in it. It was a West Side Story, and they needed uh, they needed extra people to play the the sharks. And uh, but I don't know if you know this, but the sharks in the in the West Side Story they're Puerto Ricans, and uh, I'm not Puerto Rican like at all. Like I'm very very white, and so were the rest of the people that they asked to be the Puerto Rican sharks in this because we were as a beach town, very small, not a lot of people. And so they just a lot of white kids that they asked to try out to be Puerto Ricans instead of the the lady who ran it. She thought that was less racist than going around and asking all the Hispanic kids at the school if they wanted to be the sharks. And I still to this day was like, I think it would have been fine. I don't think that's racist at all. I think that would have just been like, hi, we have if you would like to do it. But anyways, their other idea was we all tried out for it and um, they bronzed us. They got self t- like tanner, like this tanning stuff, and they made us all orange. They they bronzed us up, and so for like three weeks, there was a bunch of white kids walking around a school, orange, just all looking like living Cheetos, and it made my acne break out. And I had like acne all over my face, and I was orange and ugh. But anyways, that's a, just a funny story to describe that um, doing musicals and being in drama really elevated my need to perform and be funny so it was re- it really started there so it wasn't even li- like until senior year that I realized that maybe I could do it as something like up until that point it was always just like being funny with my friends and joking but when I started seeing that and I was on stage and I saw the way I could make an entire group of people like an audience of people laugh that's where it started like 
hitting me that, oh man, I think I want to do something in this vein. I don't know what I, and then I was really into comedy central at the time and I saw stand up and I was like, oh yeah, I can do that. And then I set my goals real low after high school. Cause I was barely going to graduate. I did. Uh, I graduated. Like I, I, I think I told you a while ago, I graduated because, uh, my math teacher thought I was funny and he only let me pass because he thought I was funny. Like at the end of the year, I was, I was failing math, terrible math till this day. Uh, and he was like, all right, I'm gonna give you a packet. If you get a C on this packet, I'll let you pass. I'll let you graduate. I don't even think I got a C on that. He just let it go. He's like, I'm probably going to regret this, but whatever. You're funny. You'll make it. And he, he let me pass. I wrote him a letter. He was the only one I wrote like a thank you letter to. Uh, but I ended up graduating and my goals were just to move to Portland and do stand up comedy. Uh, it took a while, but, uh, you know, I eventually did it. So when you talk about taking the stage, do you remember your, um, how you got the ability to, or the opportunity to go on stage and do your first set uh, of comedy? Man, it took like three, four or five years after high school before I even actually did it. I kind of floated around after high school doing nothing. Like I, I call my college years. And by that I did not go to college at all. I just lived with like these three crazy girls that did a lot of drugs and drank all the time. And uh, we did that nonstop. And I just was having fun living my life and making those people laugh. And I was the funny guy that lived with them and all that stuff. And it wasn't until I broke out of that finally and started living in Portland. Finally, finally, finally got up to Portland. Um, and I got a job at a place called the boiler room, which was a karaoke bar. Uh, but it had stand up comedy every Monday night. And I got a job there as a, a barback slash cook, and then I would work the doors on Monday. So I was just the guy sitting at the door checking IDs, and I would sit there and watch all the comedians come in and do the open mic. And so I would just kind of absorb everything, because all I, I was just sitting there. Everybody would come in, and I would just sit there and watch, and I would absorb and absorb and absorb. And it kind of just kept getting to me. I'm like, I think I can do this. I think I could do this. I would see what didn't work. I would see what worked. Um, I would ask everybody like, you know, how's this done? How do you do it? Like, and the, the generals is like, have three minutes, get three minutes of material. Don't run the light, get up there and do it. And, um, finally one night I just, I, I, I took a Monday, I requested a Monday night off and then came in anyways and signed up for the open mic there and, and did it. And that was it. I just I forced myself to get up there. How did it feel after doing your first set? I wish I could remember the truth. In my mind, if I could recall it right now, it was good. Um, but remembering stand-up and then not trying to boast about yourself, but a lot of people do not do well their first time at all. Like, <laughs> there's the, if, if anybody knows anything about stand-up, you bomb more than you succeed most of the time, especially in your early years of doing anything. Um but I think I got lucky my first time up and I had a decent set. Like looking back on it, I probably thought I crushed, but I probably just did like, okay. Um, but it felt really good. I was like, all right, all right, I did it. I did good. I went up there and I screamed about Disney or some stuff like that. I think I actually have like one of my first sets on my YouTube page still, but I think I unlisted it. But it's like, it, it must've been during the first 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 three months of me doing stand-up that I recorded this thing because I was like, oh, you need to get recordings and put them up there. 
Um, and it, I listened to it the other day, and it sounded like I got. I, I, could, I think it sounded like it went well, but it's so weird going back and listening to yourself in the early days of your comedy because you you haven't found your voice yet as a comedian, and you're just rushed and stumbling over stuff and emulating other comedians instead of sounding like yourself. It's it, it's an it's an awkward feeling, but no, I. I I f- it felt great. I, I wanted more. It, it turned into a drug. Like it was just, I needed more and more and more. So I just kept doing it. Yeah. And um, so to, to feed that need to, to keep doing comedy, I'm sure you went on quote unquote touring. <laughs> Basically, you, you just, you know, you have a bunch of lineups in the weekend or you try to find venues to do comedy at. Uh, what was that like? Uh, touring. I'm sure you've probably done that. And what was it like? And you know, did you, you know, stay at buddies' houses? What what happened in in your uh, start? That didn't happen for quite some time because when you start out doing stand up, you're just doing open mics and you're just hoping and praying that anybody at an open mic will see you and book you on their local show or anything at that point. Like you're you're not even looking at it to for money or anything like that. You're just doing it for the sake of comedy. I was still working at the boiler room full time. Uh, doing bar backing and stuff and then just doing comedy any night that I wasn't working. There's loads of open mics all over town. Uh, and if for people who don't know what an open mic is for stand-up, literally it's just you go, you sign up, you get three minutes, three to five minutes, uh, and it's practice. Like it's <laughs> You're basically going to a show to watch a bunch of comedians practice. You know, Like there's 20-something comics on the list. It drags on forever. You got to sit there, wait your turn, listen to some people who are the absolute worst comedians you'll ever hear in your life. People that will never go anywhere. Sorry to anybody who thinks that's them out there who I'm talking about. Just know that that's just how it goes. Not everybody's going to be great. Uh, You're waiting for your three minutes. Maybe the crowd's dead by the time you get up and you go up and they just are sucked of energy and you can't do anything to make them laugh no matter how good your material is or how good you think your material is. Uh, and it was just a slog and you just kept doing it, but you just loved going out and doing the stand up and, and meeting people in the community and hanging out. It, it felt like the very early days of Twitch to me. I remember that. Like, it's so funny how the, the parallels go there. Um, and I just kept doing that and that for, uh, geez, about like four years. I think it was like about f- three, four years in that I didn't, that I started doing road work. Um, where I was just doing local shows and stuff like that. And then I started getting booked for bigger and better things like casino gigs and things of that nature. Uh, doing road work is actually kind of what got me out of doing standup. Um, I know a lot of people in the, in the scene that, that, that thrive on it or crave it, but it started to wear down on me because that's when it became a job that I didn't want anymore because it was just, you travel to these lame places in the middle of nowhere and you had to pay for everything sometimes the venue would pay for your like hotel room if and maybe uh you know some food and they'd pay you some paltry sum to come out and you do like this bar show for people who didn't even realize that a stand-up show was happening in the middle of nowhere and they all hated you or maybe they liked you or whatever but it was it was draining it was very draining because I was doing uh, my comedy that I really liked that worked in the city for all these people out on the road that not necessarily wanted my style of comedy. They wanted, you know, 
for lack of a better term, hack material, you know, stuff that they've heard before or just the general kind of humor that I think most people understand as hack material or something like that, you know, fart jokes, sex jokes, women be shopping, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, and, and so it just kind of drained on me because I was like, I was, I was out on the road with all these other comedians that have been doing it longer and they were quote unquote road comedians that that's all they do. They'd never gone on to bigger, better things. And I saw the way they were and I didn't want to be like them. They were generally nice people, but a lot of them were like, I was like, I don't want to be like them. I want to do bigger, better things. And so I tried sticking in town more and doing more like really cool local Portland shows and then hopefully getting booked on festivals. Festivals is what comedians really want to do because those are the best, man. That's where, you know, big comedy festivals where comedians from all over the world come to one area and just have the best shows because people are literally there for comedy. It's comedy fans doing. It's so good. Uh, and I got booked on a few of those. I did one in Canada that is still to this day like my favorite, favorite festival I ever did. Uh, is the Kitchener Waterloo Festival, Burlington Comedy Festival, and Port Credit Comedy Festival? Uh, look them up, everybody. They're 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 wonderful festivals if you're in the Ontario area, um, and that's where I truly felt like I was doing something great. I got flown out there. Everything was provided for me. I felt like a star, sort of, even though I wasn't at all. I'm not, you know, nobody's gonna know my name if you look it up. But it, I, I felt like I was like, oh man, this I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And I got out there, did all these amazing shows, met some wonderful people, got back. You know, I had, had a nice paycheck from that. I was able to buy a car, which I used to go out on the road and do more gigs. And then it kept dragging on me, dragging on me, dragging on me. Um, and I just, it kind of just started falling away. And I started looking to uh, do other things. What was the booking process like as far as like uh, getting those opportunities of playing on the road and also getting into those festivals? Uh, maybe there are people who might be comedians or people who are looking to to maybe, you know, start doing things like that and perform. Uh, what was the booking process like? And here's my other questions. Personal question. How did you how did you get paid gigs? Just have to make the right connections and uh, talk to the people that are in charge and demonstrate that you can do what you can do. Uh, talk to other comedians that have connections and have them put in the good word. Um, you got to lower your standards a lot. I think that's a big thing for any comedians. Like you, some of the people that are in charge of like comedy f clubs and road gigs. I mean, I'm not worried about this cause I'm not going to basically do these anymore. They're kind of some of the worst people I've ever met in my life. Uh, they all think they know what comedy is. They all think they know exactly what you, they want out of you or what they do. Uh, but a lot of them are generally looking for a certain type of comedian because every comedian's different. Uh, and you just kind of have to play to their level and, and just, you know, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. And kind of just, oh, I will do it. I'll do it. Just do anything. And you can get these gigs. But I mean, I, a lot of that was what was soul crushing to me. It was it was stuff that I wasn't comfortable doing because I wasn't doing my brand of comedy anymore. I was doing what people wanted me to do or I was doing my comedy, but nobody cared. Um, but getting booked is literally just it's the same as anything else network network talk to people who have connections make yourself known um work on your craft make sure you're seen and uh you know just promote the hell out of yourself treat yourself as a brand and uh get, get your name out there uh, but getting paid for stuff is literally just like work clubs um a lot of local shows try and pay people these days uh if it, even if it's just like tips 
they'll take a, a percentage of the door and spread it out to the comedians and stuff like that. Some festivals pay you, like the one I did paid me. Uh, and then, yeah, just any road gig will pay you. I mean, you just have to talk. There's certain bookers in your area that you that you find and you email them uh, and you send them your portfolio, basically, like your resume of comedy, a video, a, a clip of you doing stand-up, um, any credits you have, like festivals you've done, stuff like that. And then based on that, they'll they'll go, okay. And then they put you on the road with, you know, you work your way up. Like I, w- I started as a host where you just open the, the show and you do a couple minutes and then you introduce the feature. That's the middle comic who does like a half hour. Uh, and then you go back up and bring up the, the headliner who does like 45 minutes to an hour or longer, depending on who they are. Um, and you kind of just work your way up. Uh, I never got to headline. I just, I was a feature, like a road feature. Um, I think I headlined like one show, but it was just because the headliner dropped out. So I just had to do it. Um, but I didn't, I didn't get to the, like the level of headliner before I started doing what I'm doing now. Yeah. It's interesting, uh, listening to that because I used to run a venue, um, a small little venue for about one or two years and, uh, we booked bands and stuff. And one of the things I always try to make sure is that like somebody went home with something, whether it was, um, the, you know, it was a couple bucks or I usually like, okay, how much do they want coming in? Because I would split it with the promoter. Like I would give them the venue, they would promote the show and then whatever went to the, you know, make sure everybody got paid. And then, you know, whatever was left over would go back to the venue. Um, so it's, it's just really interesting to, to hear how it's also parallel. Like we talked about earlier to, um, to comedy and it applies to uh, other things that people do and perform. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're basically doing it for not a lot of pay. I mean, when I was on the road, all the money that I made basically went into gas and lodging and food. And that was it. Like I never really made it out on top. I still had to have, you know, my, my, my day job, night job. I was doing karaoke DJing, uh, at boiler room still, uh, for a long time while I was doing stand up. So I couldn't, I never, I never got to do it full time basically. So you're out on the road and you got all these opportunities. Um, what was probably the biggest opportunity or probably the most memorable uh, set or festival that you've been to? Definitely the one that I talked about in Canada. That was the, that was the biggest one. Um, it, 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 that was the one that truly made me feel like I was doing something cool. Um, and then was it after that or before it? Honestly, this, this like, like my whole stand, it, it wasn't that long ago, but now because of Twitch, everything before seems so, so long ago. It's so weird um, that I did this show called Last Comic Standing or Oregon's Last Comic Standing. Um, it was just a local event in Eugene and a couple of my buddies wanted to go do it because you had to go to uh, like auditions or whatever. It was just a tryout show. And so I rolled down with them. I was the only one to get in from the group that we went down there and uh, it kind of went on from there. I ended up uh, going all the way through to the finals and I got second. I lost to this guy that uh, still to this day I think is uh, not a funny comedian and a terrible individual. Uh, and if you're listening out there, you know exactly who you are and I don't give a crap. Uh, but uh, I, 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 I remember that being like, I was going to win a thing and then I didn't. Uh, there's a documentary about it. It's really funny. Some out there somewhere. I, I'm gonna have to find it. I don't remember. I'll link you, but I don't remember the name of it now. But it's it's a documentary of uh, after we we run the or we did the competition. They took us out on the road. The the top four winners, 
this guy, me, uh, our, our uh, two other dudes, and they put us in an RV and they just drove us all around Oregon to a bunch of different um, <laughs> shows that were, they were, it was exactly like shows I've done out on casinos and roads. They were all a bunch of venues where the people didn't care who we were and didn't like it. And we were trying to, it was this big pomp and circumstance. They were like, it's Oregon's last comedian standing as if that was anything, you know, and nobody cared. Like they put us on after bands. I remember we did a venue in Medford where it was a cowboy bar and they literally had a, like a country band playing right before we went on stage. And then they cut the country band early and then forced us to go out on stage and do stand-up to people who were not happy that the music was done. That was a great show. Uh, but, long story short, doing this thing, it kind of felt good to pay and do this world. But uh, it led to something better because uh, the previous winner of this contest, who opened one of the shows, happened to be Dan Paul, uh, who is a Twitch streamer by the name of Sour Kool-Aid Show. Uh, and I only met him during this whole thing. And then I remember, God, months after or a year after even, uh, people kept telling me about the Sour Kool-Aid show and what it was and that he was booking people for it. And then you'd come and do his show and do stand-up on it. Uh, and, and yeah, that's, 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 that's the rest of the history. So doing that terrible, this led to something, I think. It wasn't all bad too. It was a, it was a lot of it was fun, except for hanging out with that dude that I told you I hate. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, you you know, we talked about that uh, the comedy fest in Eugene. Uh, tell us uh, a little bit about. I know this is kind of jumping ahead in time, but it does relate to comedy. There was a point in time where you had a run-in with the Red Ranger. Is this true? I did, yeah. Well, the second Red Ranger, Steve Cardenas, a.k.a. Rocky. Uh, and then he became the Blue Ranger in Turbo, but we don't talk about that. Um, yeah, I, I had an opportunity to do a... Uh, it, was, it, was a <laughs> it was like a Comic-Con that was running in Salem. And there was a little comedy club in Salem that I used to do all the time, Capital City Comedy Club, which is awesome. I think it's still there. It's Capital City Theater, rather, sorry. Still there. They put on shows all the time. Really great venue. And uh, I knew the guy who ran it. He's I've done shows there a bunch. <clears throat> he knew my style of humor and that I was a pretty big nerd dude. And uh, he wrote me up one day. He's like, hey, man, uh, the, the Comic-Con is there. They want, they want us to do a roast of the Red Ranger. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, the ro we're doing a roast of the Red Ranger at the comedy club, and we want you to be one of the, you know, part of the dais. I, I, I said, shut up. I'm going to roast Jason? Jason the Red Ranger? And they're like, no, no, Steve Cardenas. And I was like, eh, Rocky? Yeah, that I had to, yeah. But it was still an amazing, amazing, amazing uh, opportunity. And the guy was really nice. Man, Steve was cool. I, I, I've tweeted at him a few times. He doesn't respond. It's like, it's cool, Steve. Like, I thought we made a connection. Uh, but I remember we were in the green room and I brought my copy of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie for Sega Genesis there. Uh, we were chatting and talking and I like brought it out. I was like, dude, how does it feel being in a video game? And he's like, oh man, I've, I haven't seen this in years. And then there was a weird, awkward pause, like, like a weird silence. 
And he was like, so do you want me to sign that or what? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. I actually brought it so that we could play it together because in the green room of this particular comedy club, they always had a Sega Genesis hooked up. So I was like, in my mind going there, I was hoping that I could play Mighty Morphin Power Rangers with a Power Ranger but then that never happened. But he did sign it. I still have it. I still have my cartridge signed by Steve Carninas, the the second Red Ranger. Um, but it was amazing. Uh, I I didn't write any jokes for it. I just kind of riffed it. Uh, you can see it on YouTube. There's a they they filmed the whole thing, um, and then he got up there and roasted us. He said a lot of jokes about my mom. Thank you, Steve. Um, but no, that was that was probably one of the most incredible experiences of my life. Just kind of nerding out on something that I enjoyed as a kid and well what am I saying I still enjoy it now but uh no that, that, that was a, that was an incredible incredible experience yeah that sounds pretty awesome that you had the opportunity and you know you got the signed cart by one of the rangers imagine if you got a chance to play with them I mean that would have been awesome uh yeah I still I still I wish I had asked him but it, it, we were all in a green room there was a bunch of people it was other comedians he was being asked all sorts of questions I didn't want to be like hey everybody shut up I need to play Power Rangers with this man. Was it uh was it kind of intimidating at first cuz you're like I don't want to seem like a total fanboy. Uh no, I don't I I tend not I don't I tend not to geek out like that much. Like I was definitely geeking out like in the sense I'm a fan, but I I don't like overly hype out. I try and be very chill and cool and just like a normal person cuz I like to treat people like they're normal people. They you know unless they're acting like an asshole then it's or, or or like high and mighty then it's a different thing, but I don't know. I I, I tend to if I'm working with somebody, because I was technically working with them, I like that better because I'm like, oh, we're doing this thing. We're on the same level, you know. Um, but no, I wasn't. Uh, I was trying not to. Yeah, I guess I was trying not to glomp all over him, you know, and be like, I'm, I'm a bigger nerd than these other guys. But I'm like, he doesn't need to hear that. He's going over to the Comic-Con. He's probably going to have to listen to a bunch of friggin' mouth breathers ask him dumb questions about the show that he doesn't give a crap about. <laughs> so it's like, I'm going to just hang out with him, sign my cartridge, and then you can, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll tell dick jokes about each other. Yeah, I mean, I've been in that situation. Did I ever tell you the story when I met William Regal? Did I ever tell you that story? Say, the William yeah. Regal. Man's man, William, oh, sorry, he was Steven Regal at that time, but the William yeah, Regal. Yeah, I have a photo with him. General manager of NXT. Right. God, I love Steve, I love William Regal. No, I, you never told me about how you met him. Oh, real real quick story. So this was when, uh, what was it, WrestleMania 29, New Jersey. Yeah. Um, it was my first WrestleMania. Don't ask me how much I spent at the strip. But there was the first or second. It was the first uh, WrestleCon. And uh, they had a bunch of people in there. Like I, I met a lot of people, actually. London and Kendrick, D'Lo Brown. Uh, I, I can nerd out about all these people. But the one of the ones that stuck out the most is when I, uh, William Regal was there. And he somehow was a fill-in or something happened. And there was a big, long line. And I was in that line for a while. And the story is, this is why I love this guy so much. And he left a, such a, uh, a footprint in my life. He, uh, We were in line. And like uh, basically what, what happens at these WrestleCons is that there's a guy that takes the money. And then you have the wrestler, right? You give the guy the money. It's like 20 bucks for a photo or something you sign or whatever the deal is. So I'm in line, right? And then basically the dude that's handling the money was not even paying attention. He was out of it. And he needed, and someone 
uh, he needed somebody to hold the camera for the guy in front of me to take the photo. And then there's like this awkward pause for like a minute because he's got a whole line. It's going all the way back to the convention, right? Right. And so I was like, hey, I'll take it. And then I'm, he's like, what? And I'm like, here, I'll just take your photo. Here, go up. Just go up with him and I'll take your photo for you. I'll take a couple of them, make sure they're good. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And then it happened. The guy left. And then I was handing the money to Regal. Like, here you go. And he goes, no, no, don't worry about that man with the money. You come over here. We'll take a photo. Don't worry about that. I was like, all right. This is. Dude, like- I've heard he's such a sweet man. And then the best part is my buddy was in line behind me. Um, and... Uh, he was, and I guess when I left, he was like, it's fans like that. I love doing this. And that was like oh. one of the most heartfelt oh. things besides meeting Chris Jericho. And I got my drumstick signed. Um, nice. <laughs> that was at a coconut signing when the coconuts exist. Uh, <laughs> oh, in case you don't know, me and Scoot are huge wrestling fans. Very so much so. Very I much had so. to slide I that one in there because I, I understand the pressure of being next yeah, to somebody yeah. that you know, like you see yeah, on the, TV. This is for anybody in the know. I mean, I don't know when this is coming out, but as of right now, I just got back from seeing NXT TakeOver Portland. So How was that? It was incredible. It was absolutely yeah. incredible. We bought tickets online that uh, they said they were uh, view extra, you know, like limited view seats. And I was like, oh, no, because they were like really cheap. Turns out they were like the best seats I've ever had at any wrestling event ever. They were on like the side of the stage. But that was the limited view. But you could see the whole ring. You just got to literally look directly down at the stage and you got to see behind it. So you get to see people like walking in behind the stage and all the production area. And then the, it, the entire ring as well. Like they were incredible seats. So, hey, everybody out there, uh, cool, fun tip. Buy the cheap seats that are next to the stage. They're really cheap and they just say limited view. They're not. They're great. Cook tip, they're awesome seats. I'm gonna be buying those all the time. Anyways, no, it was a great show. And I'm I'm dude, I'm jealous that you got to meet William Regal. I've heard he's a very, very nice man. And then Jericho, man. Man, Jericho's on top of the world. We could just turn this podcast into wrestling talk. <laughs> well, I guess I'll throw in the fact for those who don't know, I also do commentary for a local wrestling promotion. So like a lot of the matches I called, like I'd swear forty percent of them are NXT now. Like Keith yeah. Lee, he got he, his show got canceled, but there, there was him, there was Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, there was a, a bunch of them that came through before. So it's just really cool. But I know we can go down the wrestling rabbit hole, and I'm sure yeah, we yeah. can have a whole second episode just on that. If people want to hear Absol- it, let us know. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but um, moving on, we talk about people we've met and the pressures of, you know, uh, being in the presence of them and kind of how we handle the situations. Let's talk about... Um, you know, moving forward a little bit, you know, uh, dipping into these uh, long lost Let's Plays that you have mentioned to me offhand. Uh, how was that? And what, what what was the concept? And when did this happen? If you can give us a timeline. Um, well, this was happening while I was doing stand up. Um, this is definitely around the time of the the the, the Oregon's last comedian standing excuse me and the uh the 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 canadian festival so uh, 2014 15 in that in that realm um and 
I wanted to do something else. I, I uh, parallel to all of the things I've done, I've been a lifelong uh, retro collector. I love retro video games. I've amassed a pretty big collection. Uh, at that time, it wasn't that big, but I had a lot of games, and um, I was a huge fan of the Game Grumps on YouTube. Uh, still, I'm a big fan of the Game Grumps, and I listen to them all the time. And I had this wonderful friend, Caitlin Warehouser, who's an amazing comedian. They were just on uh, uh, Stephen Colbert. Uh, go check, uh, go, go check Caitlin out. But uh, we were hanging out all the time, and uh, I introduced them to uh, Game Grumps. And well, I say introduced, but more like I forcefully made them watch hours upon hours of Game Grumps while we were high and or drunk. Uh, so I apologize for that, Caitlin. Uh, but we, we watched a lot of that, and I was like, we could do this. And I, it was just for funsies, and got a bunch of equipment, and kind of did our own thing. So unashamed, like I'm just, it, it was a hundred percent a ripoff of Game Grumps. Like I don't, there's no assumption there. We called ourselves video game bullies. Not even like we call ourselves video game bullies because we both had like the same hair, uh, and we looked like bullies, and we considered ourselves the bullies of the comedy. Not in a mean way, but like just that we looked like you know stereotypical '80s action movie bullies or something like that. Um, and we just, yeah, played games and did the whole, you know, let's plays over it. And, uh, it was going pretty good for a while. Caitlin was way more into doing comedy, obviously, and should be cause she's absolutely fantastic. Um, and we kind of butted heads after a while and, and we parted ways, uh, cause I was really starting to get into that more and focusing on it. Um, around this time that we were doing these let's plays was also the first time I went on to the sour Kool-Aid show. Uh, so that's kind of where the the seed was planted that I wanted to do this other thing. Uh, like I said, Dan Paul, Sour Kool-Aid Show, still on Twitch, still an amazing person. Um, he used to do a thing where he'd have comedians come on uh, and you do comedy night where you do stand up in his little garage studio uh, in front of a green screen um, for all of his viewers. And they'd tip you and all that stuff like that. And he would he would be very awesome. It was uh, very awkward because, you know, you're doing comedy for a big crowd, bigger crowds than you normally do. But you can't see any of them. They're just a chat window. And, uh, you know, the, the only person in the room laughing is Dan Paul. But he's really good at that. He was really good at laughing at all your jokes, helping you through them. And um, did that. And I saw what Twitch was. Because at that point, I didn't understand. I'd never heard of Twitch. The only thing I'd heard of it was uh, Twitch plays Pokemon. I, I, did, I thought it was just a robot that played games i didn't realize it was a whole site where people watched other people play video games i don't know how i didn't know about it i'm actually very upset these days that i did not know about twitch sooner i probably could have gotten into it sooner but whatever um i could have been a contender um and so i saw what he was doing and i was like oh man this is a thing you can do this is awesome so i started picking his brain about how to do it uh there's other people from that uh, world, like the Noosh 22 is somebody I cite as a big influence. She's a wonderful streamer, also still streams. Uh, she helped me out with like setting up equipment for streaming and stuff like that. After that, I had a lot of questions. Uh, but I was starting to get way more into that after that. So I was starting to focus on doing the Let's Plays. And then we were ever so often we would do Twitch streams as video game bullies. So there are there were streams before my mainstream. They were on video game bullies. Um, and it was me and Caitlin together. And then we would decide when she came over, like, do we want to do a Twitch stream or do we want to do a Let's Play? And more often than not, it was it started leaning towards the Twitch or whatever. And then she w didn't want to do it. So or I just 
I was so hooked on the Twitch thing that I kept kind of secretly doing streams on it by myself. She got mad at me, which is understandable because it was like, don't do it if you're not with me, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then, like I said, we kind of had our little falling apart. We're fine now. She's great. Hopefully, by the way, Caitlin, I don't know why you'd ever listen to this. I'm proud of you. And I love you. She knows. Um, but she kind of went off and focused on her comedy, which is very right. She's doing amazing. And I really got into doing more twitch um uh and i because the video game bullies thing we stopped doing the let's plays that that disappeared um where my twitch came out of that was uh she went by uncle kate and so my nickname on the video game bully show we were the two characters uncle kate and mr scoot so i was mr scoot she was uncle kate and so when i couldn't do the twitch streams under the video game bullies account i created my own account as mr scoot and started streaming on my own and building stuff up. And then I went on to Dan Paul's stream, Sour Kool-Aid Shows, a second time. And uh, that's where it really took off, where I, I started promoting, you know, because, you know, you go on it, he asked you to, for stuff. And I was like, hey, man, I'm getting into streaming. This is how I do it. So I, I kind of had a head start with Twitch where, like, I had a, fa a group of people that came to see me because of another show. And I, th I thank Dan Paul endlessly for that. He was the, gen you know, the, the catalyst, the seed, the growth for that. Um, and it kind of just, I didn't look back from there. Like I, I was doing that nonstop more and more and more and more and more every day I could stream. I was streaming, trying new things, trying amazing things. And, uh, I was still working at boiler room. I was still doing, uh, karaoke DJing. Um, and yeah, in a cliche way, the rest is history. Yeah. I was around for those, uh, Friday night comedy nights and, um, it's really interesting listening to you and then the previous episode we had with Andy, you guys had the same exact story. Um, you guys didn't know what Twitch was and then you're like, oh, this is really cool. And then you kind of like do your own little beta testing, you could call it almost. Like, okay, so this is kind of like what I want to do. You guys make your own channels and then Dan Paul helps you out. You know, you have to think, you know, DP was... Uh, a big part of the comedy movement. I remember there was like petitions and there was all this stuff to get comedy on Twitch. And um, it was just really cool to see a couple comedians come out of that who are now, you know, I successful streamers, you know, um, and you guys are still running and still loving it. So shout outs to the Dan Paul, the sour Kool-Aid show. Uh, he did a lot of that, um, you know, heavy leg work and really pushed it. Um, I wish he did more comedy, you know, comedy shows uh, still, but I understand why he doesn't. But um, that's great. And uh, I'm glad you had that start. And you also got to think about this way, Scoot. You put in a lot of work before doing this. You know, if you didn't do the comedy, you would have been like everybody, most people who start streaming with nobody, talking to a wall for six months. Absolutely. Like, yeah, I, I try to think like when people say like, how do you get started in Twitch? Like nobody watches me and stuff like that. And I, I can't, you know, like I did have a, a, an installed base from the get go. Like I didn't start from zero viewers, you know, like I didn't start from a ton of viewers, but I started from like a little base of like 12 people that would come around every time. And then it grew from there. So like even just that little base of 12 was enough to, you know, you have enough people talking to keep the stream going because I very much rely on chat to keep me going. Um, uh, yeah, it's I I did I I feel like I'm like yeah I put in the work for that I I did a, an other things and you know I, I don't know 
but it took over it, it took over and i stopped doing stand-up as much because i was so much more into doing twitch because i was finally able to do my stand-up or my comedy in a controlled environment where i was completely completely and utterly in control and it was people who were coming back for me that's something i always wanted to do stand-up was i mean it sounds vain and pompous or whatever but i think it's what any stand-up comedian wants is people to come to the show for them you know you want to be the one that they're like oh man i'm going to see scoot herring you know and uh instead of that was a big thing of not wanting to do stand-up anymore is because i remember like going to local shows or going to shows of comedians i enjoyed like camille nanjiani came through town one time at this small little bar and there was line out the block around the block and it was amazing uh to see him because i was like people are there to see camille nanjiani they're not there just because comedy's happening like they want to see him um and every show i did was just a random show in the middle of nowhere where it was just general comedy or they didn't even know comedy was happening and nobody cared like nobody was there for me nobody cared but doing twitch people would come back every night because they wanted to hear what i had to say or what i was doing or what my stupid brand of humor was about to do like that was what felt amazing because i was like oh man this is it i have my own venue and it's so controllable and also i don't have to wear pants yeah, so uh, Retro was kind of still in its infancy, uh, probably about, I don't know, 200 to maybe 800 viewers, still kind of a small category at this time. Uh, was it even a category at that point, though? Because this was when it wasn't, there was no, re- it was the the game called Retro that's not Retro. Yeah, that's what I meant by infancy, is that it had just, it, it was used as Retro. I guess, yeah. like, I should say it was before I before the Starcade Marathon right. uh, Retro. Uh, I mean, we talked about the, the history of retro in the other episode with Andy. Uh, make sure you catch that. But, you know, basically people started using that. People started using that as a category to display, you know, a lot of obscure games that were um, being displayed on the directories as, you know, like games like Zelda and Mario. There was a lot of other games out there and that's why it got developed. But my question is for you, Scoot, is that, you know, you're kind of you started um, streaming when did it uh the the concept of it being a show to being streaming like you come from a uh, stand-up background and then mm-hmm. you shift to streaming when did you become more comfortable uh treating it as a stream versus you know okay i got a subtlist and i got to do this all this planning um it was actually a very smooth transition i mean i always even still to this day i always kind of see it as going on stage not to that like the nerves aren't there anymore if i'm going on to do anything else like anybody else's show i still get like the kind of pre-show jitters and nerves but i still look at it as i'm i'm putting on a show i am performing like there was never any set list involved like even in my head like when i did stand up i'm a very unorganized individual as a human being i never like wrote out a lot of my stuff a lot of other comedians write their stuff down they have a you know full set list they overwork their jokes or uh tag them out the ass and just have this like finely chiseled set mine was very much just like i had the ideas of what i wanted to do or the jokes that i knew and i just would flow into whatever i thought was working for the crowd or it was just so memorized it didn't matter when i started doing uh, streaming i just really relied on it was the it was the people it was the community uh, it was playing off of them uh and having fun with that they had seen my stand-up. They knew what I was all about. And um, it never really felt uncomfortable. It felt immediately comfortable. Like a warm pair of sweatpants right out of the dryer. 
like a pair of sweatpants. They just always seem to fit, right? <laughs> yeah, just, you know, the elastic's just perfect, you know? Uh, so you start streaming around 2015, and then somebody you know very well um, already started streaming, uh, who is now your roommate, the Andy Social yeah. Network. Yeah, we live um, in our, our little streaming compound. What? <laughs> Uh, we'll talk about the kitchen table uh, conversations later. Um, <laughs> how uh, how did you end up finding Andy, and when did you start watching him, and then started becoming you know closer with him, as yeah. far as like being his friend? And I remember the early stuff, as far as like the gift exchanges in the very early days. Um, oh yes, oh yes. When did you start reaching out to him and uh, get to know Andy a little bit? Uh, well, we always kind of knew each other from stand-up. Uh, he was always at open mics when I first started. We, we, we were just like mild acquaintances. We knew of each other. We didn't hang out in the same circles. Um, and that was about it. Uh, so I just knew who he was. And then after I did Sour Kool-Aid Show, I found out somehow that he did it as well because he was posting about it on Facebook or something. I, I, would, I, I honestly want to hear how he said it because I just know that I was on Twitch Oh, no, that's that's all it was. It was on Twitch. I just saw that he was streaming. I was like, oh, I know that guy. And I started watching him, and he kind of just became part of my daily routine. I would put him on all the time, and then I just kind of reached out to him, you know, one time. And I was like, hey, man, we should do, like, a duo stream. We should go on each other's streams, you know? Like, hey, let's let's hang out, because clearly he had stuff in common. I was like, I never knew he liked retro games and stuff like that. I always enjoyed his comedy and enjoyed his, you know, around. He was always a nice dude. So I'm like, all right, you know, somebody in the... I could because I had, I didn't have anybody to talk Twitch with, and so it's like I wanted to also talk to somebody about Twitch who clearly gets it and came from the same exact thing as me, and so I went on his stream. We did a, a duo stream. We played Contra. I believe that was the first one we did uh, out in his garage. We we played Contra. I brought stupid headbands. We hit it off, uh, and then we just kind of kept doing. It. We did we did like a stream on each other's channels uh, every month. Uh, people ask us why we don't do it anymore. I was like, well, we live together and we're, I don't know. <laughs> we'll do it. Again. We, we do them every once in a while. But that, back then it was like we were doing them every, every, every month together. Um, and yeah, we just, it was nice having somebody who was doing exactly the same thing as a kid who started exactly the same way for them. And it was just fun. It was, we built our communities out there and we kind of formed a symbiosis. Uh, we always say like, he streamed during the day, 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. He was very rigid at that time. Uh, not now. He just goes wherever he wants. Uh, but he it was 2 to 6, and then I'd start at 6 and uh, go on. So he would always stream, and then he'd host me. And it's so funny to this day because we talk about it, I talk about it, I realized we didn't think about that in the early days that anybody would notice that or care. But now it's like weird that he would just host me every single day. <laughs> Yep, that was and, a big meme, and and that I did. We don't think about it now. We were like, we were just trying to like, you know, he was helping me out, and I was helping him out, and all that stuff. I I don't know how I was helping him out. He was mostly just helping me. Uh, but it's so weird to think about now. We never thought about that idea that one streamer just hosting one person. Um, but man, that was funny. I owe a lot to Andy for my growth as a streamer too, you know, like we, a lot of his viewers are my viewers and vice versa. So yeah, it's, 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 it's weird. And then we, uh, I was living with somebody and I had to move out and Andy was kind enough to let me move into his big house and we lived together for a while. 
and then uh, we got a place together. We we got another place, and we're here now. And you know, he's literally streaming as we speak right now up in the uh, the upstairs, and I'm down in the basement with my little stream set up, and it, it works because we're we we both understand each other. We both uh, understand the as we say, uh, we both understand the loud noises coming uh, from either side of the room or uh, house and what they are, and that they're literally providing uh, rent and food and stuff for the house. So it's like whatever. We, we both support each other's creativity, and uh, we're also still awesome friends that get to hang out and shoot the shit. And it's really nice living with somebody who you can talk to about your job and and work through things. Um, so I'm endlessly thankful for Andy every day because he's he's truly one of the best people I've ever met in my life. He's a he's a he's a very interesting character, and I, I would not have him any other way. Exactly. 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 Um. <laughs> You know about that, right? Tobor did uh-huh. an impression and it just <laughs> caught fire. Oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> I, I've heard his I've heard Andy's dad and brother do the exactly, so I know where it all comes from too. So Yeah, we just we joke saying that like there'll be a holiday dinner and it's just exactly like just back and forth mm-hmm. for hours. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they do it. That's 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 no joke. Um yeah, because uh, I always in my head always joked how Andy used to raid you all the time. I'm like, oh boy, who's he? Who's he raiding this time? Yeah, who's, who's, what, he gonna, who's 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 going to choose? He's like, it's funny because he'll go through the list and be like, and uh, okay, who we got here? Let's see. I'm looking at the list. Um, <laughs> oh look, Scoot's on. Oh okay, yeah, all right. Well, I guess we'll raid Mr. Scoot. It's only been the twentieth time this month. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. We didn't. But, I we seriously didn't think about it in that terms. It's so weird. Like that. That would not fly. The I don't know if it would fly these days, but it would be very much like noticeable. Like I wouldn't go live until he was ready to end. Like I would. I would base my entire stream on like, well, we're gonna get that host. And I'm like, it was so stupid to think that way. Um. So man, I you know I owe everything to Andy for doing that and bless him for putting up with that crap forever. Cause like, yeah, what did it help him? It was, it was always helping me. It's basically just leeching off of him. <laughs> but I, you know, I thank him for doing it. I don't, I don't think I'd be where I was without uh, Andy's help. So. Yeah. And you know, he's also a man of routine, so it probably was on the schedule to, to host scoot and then it was on his radar. <laughs> Absolutely. He does. He, yeah. Once you program something into Andy, he's very, very, very about it. So like, I, I remember, I think I had to talk to him. I was like, you don't have to host me anymore. And he's like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah, we're, we're good. You can go host other people. <laughs> well, it, and the other thing is too, is that you introduced him to the green screen. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. I, it took yeah, him like months. I, yeah. Forever. I kind of miss his like old setup with the the couch and stuff, but no, he, um, I was I I used a green screen from the beginning, uh, up until now. Now I don't, and uh, yeah, he finally picked one up, and he loves it because he loves putting himself in like whatever he likes making his entire stream the theme of whatever game he's playing. So it it gives him more control to put himself wherever he's at. You know, and and the thing is too is that like you guys, you know, are in similar fields and are come, you know, are from similar upcomings as far as like getting into streaming. But you guys have different personalities streaming wise. You know, Andy used to have a schedule and he has a set set thing of games. You're just like, all right, guys, we're just, it's PS Tuesday. We're just gonna kind of figure out what we're gonna play. It's it's mm-hmm. always fun to watch you two because there's always um, contrast and there's always differences. 
Oh yeah, that that was always the thing we were saying that we were like you know symbiotic or you can't have one without the other. But we are wildly different streamers. So it's the two parallels where he's, you know, he doesn't cuss on his stream unless it's really upset, and then I cuss nonstop and uh, you know talk about maybe nasty things he doesn't usually do. He's you know a little bit more family friendly. I would su- I suppose except for all the boobs, but that's that's another story. Um, yeah, no, we we are we are wildly different, but uh, we work together very well. Uh, you know, we we enjoy each other's company. But it it, it, it was funny because we'd always I'd always compare myself to him or the other way around. But yeah, it's it's not appropriate because we are completely completely different streamers in the way that we do things and what we play and how we play them. And that's even more you know obvious now nowadays. Because um, Andy's like really good at games, he's he's almost robotic in the way that he plays things. He has to be good at the games that he plays, uh, otherwise he doesn't enjoy them. That's just how he enjoys playing things, and you know more power to him. Whereas I am completely lax, and I don't care. I'm I'm terrible at pretty much everything, and just enjoy having a good time and and shooting the shooting the proverbial crap with people and failing and laughing. I don't know. That, yeah. I mean, I'm good at like maybe two, three games. So we talk about how, um, you know, Andy started raiding you and he started supporting you uh, unintentionally. He just started doing it um, for a while. Um, He had to tell him to back off. Come on, Andy. No. Um, But uh, so Andy starts raiding you and you start getting some viewership. Um, I remember watching you and you were like, because you were getting, um, at that point, they just started doing like the, uh, the, the, what is it? The achievement system as far as partner. Um, and that was like, Andy got it when it first came out. And before that, for those who don't know, uh, you used to have to, you could apply freely at any time. Yeah, you could just you could just drop a line and be like, I think I got it. You know, you could have like a 30 viewer average and be like, I think I'm ready for it. And just shoot one out, and maybe they'd give it to you. Honestly, it was the Wild West back in the early days of Twitch. There were part, there were people getting partnered who did not have any of the requirements that you need now, and they were just getting it. Like there were people who had like possibly low viewer counts or anything like that, and they just got it because they took a shot in the dark and and submitted and whatever. Like that's it. It, it was random how it happened. It felt random. It felt very random. Yeah, and also a little background on that. Like, there's a couple of different scenarios that w- did happen. Like, um, well, the wrestling promotion I worked with, uh, they were on Twitch, and, you know, we got some recommendations, and they got the check mark. Um, there's different things. It depends on your background. Yeah, if you... Back then, it was... Back then, you, you could, uh, like, during the... I remember the submission, you could put other numbers you could be like i have this many followers on twitter or this many subscribers on youtube like there were there were fields that you could fill out in the application to let them know that you're a big deal somewhere else other than twitch and that would uh sway their um their their their, their yeah their choice which was i remember that being a thing i don't i don't know if that's a thing still uh i don't know but i i remember i went back in my early days i tried applying because you know like everyone does it it's like oh yeah. you know let's see you know but i like the the new system now because you have some type of guidance yeah you have like a, it's like a video game checklist you you literally doing you know you have a goal to hit yeah and uh you know andy got it and then you uh you were unsure about like 
because like Andy didn't do a partner push. He kind of just happened organically and he knew it was going to happen organically at some point. Pretty much. He was he was doing a lot of speed running on his channel at that time and it was really boosting his numbers up. He was sitting at a very, you know, a very good average all the time and it was just bound to happen. I remember he he got one of the times where he got partnered by the they actually came into his chat and told him to like check your dashboard. He got like one of those memeable, you know, Twitch moments. Uh but yeah, after seeing him get partnered, it it put a fire under me. I still wasn't really like, I felt like I was doing okay, but it wasn't necessary. I was doing fine with what I was doing. And then my, you know, my chat kept telling me like, you should do it. You got to do it. You got to go for the partnership push. And then, yeah, we, we kicked into it and, you know, every stream was titled partnership push and yeah, it happened from there. So I have to ask you, as somebody who did a partnership push, or you put it in your title, what yeah. did that mean to you as far as, like, after you put it in the title, what did you expect out of it? Um, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I I, I was just, I, people were telling me I should do it, and I was like, all right. And then we it kind of just sept, seeped into my head that I needed to do it. Uh, you know, whether it was competition from seeing Andy get it or... People tell a bunch of people telling me that I needed to do it, and then f eventually convincing myself that I deserved it, and that I would I reached that level. Um, looking back on it, I don't know if I had reached the level that I should have reached uh, to get it. Um, and nowadays, would I have even got it? I don't know, because um, everything's a little different nowadays. But it, it felt like it, and it turned into just going. It was stressful. We were streaming nonstop. I was I didn't take days off. I streamed every day for months attempting to get it i uh applied uh, twice and got rejected and then i think it was the third time that i got accepted maybe maybe it was four times at this point uh no I just kept going and it was like you said it was right then when they just released criteria so it was the early days of the achievement um things and it was a 75 viewer average which i think is still the same but then it didn't matter about hosts and raids, which maybe that's if anybody wants to know nowadays, hosts and raids don't count, I guess. Is that true? Um, I think it's they they look at the numbers that. Um, uh, yeah, it's very it's a weird thing. I mean, they didn't count really count hosts and raids um, like before there was like before we were talking about where you could freely apply like in the fields and stuff. They still did. They still discounted raids. Um, they do look at like percentages and stuff, I guess, but it got, it got very s more strict. You could say, yeah, it got more strict. Even when I started, it was literally like, you could just get, you could tell all your friends to be like, Hey, everybody raid me, everybody host me, you know, do that. And then, you know, inflate your numbers. Um, and there was always that possibility that you get partnered and then, uh, the partnership slump would happen where as soon as you got that check mark, all the people that were supporting you and bringing you to that partnership go, ah, eh, well, you got it. And they leave. And uh, you have the ability to like, well, now you're a partnered streamer with like 40 viewers and everybody dipped out because uh, they're on to the next person to support. So it, it happened. I remember a lot during those days. I was sort of lucky that people stayed and I was very happy. Like I didn't I went through a slight slump, but it was not like huge. It was like we were getting the numbers we got during the partnership push, but we didn't get a crazy drop that happened or anything like that. And I'd stayed pretty consistent since then. Um, you always had the fight, the fight with like growing and growth, but man, that is getting harder and harder these days with uh, the 
the influx of streamers, the variety of content that you can see. Uh, everything is very, very crowded on Twitch these days. So if you don't have any other form of like outside influence or anything like that, man, it is hard to stand out these days on Twitch, especially in the retro category. I think the retro category is who oh boy, I don't know anymore. Uh, it, they, they know what they like. Uh, they know what they don't like. And it, it seems like there's one type of streamer they enjoy and I don't know about anything else. So it's, it's, it's very different. It's a very different thing. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, even just putting the scenario in just the retro category, there's so many different things. Just speed running. You have people like Retrograde Tom doing puzzle games. Uh, my, myself doing blind runs, uh, the most strict rules. You have Andy doing comedy. You have yourself doing comedy along with, you know, uh, casually playing different kind of consoles and stuff. Um, it, there's just so much going on. Um, and for you guys... I have to say, it's really cool that, you know, you might have a slight slump, but I think you, you got there eventually, just like Andy. It was all organic. There wasn't just living off of hosts and, you know, I call it life support almost. Yeah, I was the, uh, I was the Sega, you know, Andy was the Sega CD to my Genesis, you know what I mean? Or maybe I was the Sega CD to his Genesis, whatever works. Yeah, and it's like you guys grew organically and um, you guys kept your viewership. Um, for the most part. And I hear a lot of people talking about partnership depression. Um, it, a lot of people have said that. Uh, but going into kind of talking about the partnership push, um, did you ever feel like you were burnt out? I mean, like, it sounded like um, you going back to back. Was that out of frustration? It, it was just like, we got to get it. We got to get it. I became so focused on the numbers because at that point it was either it was the... Uh, God, I, I, I'm trying to remember the the three criteria that were when I did it. It was definitely the 75 average, and I think that was the one we were trying to force for, because there was the hour streamed, and then the other one was, uh, yeah, it was like hour streamed, consecutive days, and then I think the 75 average or something like that. I think that was all that the 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 partnership check was, and we were really trying for that 75 average. Because it was, it they literally did take it from your like average viewership. It didn't matter if you had like 150 viewers. Like it was like they had to, it had to equal out something. It was weird, um, and it was just about hitting that. And so I was just every day I could, I was streaming something. I wasn't doing anything at the time, and I was just like, let's do it. Let's just go, 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 go. And then after I got the partnership, I didn't have a moment where we stopped doing that. I was still full bore in that mode, and I. I kept going that now that we're partnered, like this is it. We're going to, everybody's going to start watching me. Like we're going to be huge. This is going to be great. People are going to see that check mark and be like, oh damn, this is the guy we should watch. Um, and that didn't really happen. Like everything kind of just stayed the same. I mean, yeah, got the partnership check mark and then, you know, you get your emotes. Uh, but nothing really uh, changes that much when you get partnership. And this is for anybody. This is, I don't want to dissuade anybody from trying to go for partnership. Uh, but also, this day, these days, it's a little different because legitimately affiliates have everything that partners have. Like, there's no difference. I, sorry to ruin anybody's like mind out there. Like, I, I, I'm thankful to have that check mark and very proud of the work I put in for it. But in all honesty, if anybody's out there busting their ass and breaking their psyche to get that check mark, just know that. You're, you probably already have everything that you're going to get. Like it's, you have all the emotes that you're going to, you have all the stuff like other than just that check mark and the bragging rights, maybe that's what you're working for the achievement. And that's what I saw it as too, that it was like, I earned this, I got it. 
we did it. That's an accomplishment. So if you're looking for that, by all means, go there. But just know that, like, I don't know how much changes after you get it, unless, you know, you're, you're, but everybody's different. Everybody's different. Um, but yeah, I didn't come off that high and I kept going and then I definitely burnt myself out. Um, and there was a moment where I, I hit a really big, big wall and uh, I was afraid that that was going to be the end of it and I wasn't going to continue. Um, I remember I was going really, really hard after we got partnership. It must have been a couple months after maybe three, four months, five months. Um, and I didn't see any growth. I didn't, uh, we, there was still no growth you know, nobody, nobody knew was coming in. It was all just kind of the same people. Uh, and I was streaming one night and we were having a really, really fun night playing some PS2 games. And I was, I was very drunk, um, as I often am, which is not, well, it's not an excuse. It's bad. It's bad. Uh, and, I made the mistake, which this is for any streamer. Do not do this. Uh, don't check how many people are watching. Just don't. Just don't. Don't pay attention to the numbers. Don't look at them. Especially don't have your numbers up while you're streaming. I hear some people still do that. What are you doing? You're dumb. Turn them off. Uh, and don't check during the stream. You can check your analytics after the stream. I still do. But don't look at your viewer count while you're live. And I made the mistake of that because the stream was amazingly fun. I was having a blast. Everybody was loving it. All the chat. There were clips galore. And I made the stupid mistake when I went up to go to the bathroom to check how many people are watching. Because I'm like, oh, man, this is gangbusters. This is going to be great. And I look at the view count, and it is very low for what I'm used to. Like, I'm talking one of the lowest viewed streams I'd had in a long time. Which shouldn't be that big of a deal. It's not. Like, as long as you're having a good stream, that's what you should focus on. But at that point, it got to me because I had put in all this work. I We had that check mark, and I was just assumed in my mind that because we're partner now, everything's going to be smooth sailing. And then I got this one stream, and that's all it takes, people. One friggin' stream, especially if you're an insecure person like myself, uh, where it hits you. And I, I made the stupid I, – I saw that, and I came back to the stream – and I said some stuff that I'm not proud of to this day. And I thought that it was over after that. I literally came back and I was like, why do I even try for you people? This is ridiculous. And I just ended the stream without saying anything. I literally just cut stream. And nobody knew what was going on. Like everybody had up until that point, everything was fine and happy. And I just literally went to the bathroom and came back and freaked out like a baby. And it was the worst thing I'd ever done. I immediately felt bad, but I couldn't do anything about it. I sat there and stewed in my misery, and I took a week off. I didn't stream for a week, and I just assumed that everybody hated me and that nobody was going to watch me again because I just blew up. And, and you know, I apologized in my Discord. I, like, wrote a whole thing, and everybody was very nice about it. There were a few people that talked to me and said, man, that was, that was messed up what you did. And I was like, yeah, no, I absolutely agree. That was the worst thing I've ever – I don't know why I did it. Um, and it was, it was just, it was a lot of emotion built up and it was wrong. It was a hundred percent wrong. And this is, I, I, I want anybody listening to this to know that this is a, this is a warning. Like, don't be me. Don't be that guy. If you're burnt out and you're going at it so hard, like take some time off, be good to yourself as a streamer, get some mental rest. Don't ever take it out on the people who are actually there watching you because they care. Whether it's 50 viewers or 100-something viewers, like those 50 people are there because they're watching you and they're enjoying it. And that's what I should have focused on that point. But instead, I just focused on it being a lower number than it was normally. And and I was, I was, I, I can't say any other way. I was a piece of shit. I was a big piece of shit. And apologies. Maybe put some dolphin noises there. But I, 
it was the worst thing I've ever done. And I constantly think about not being that guy anymore. I'm like, I will never do that again. I, I can't do that. These people watch me every day. They enjoy what I do. You're there for them. Just put on the best show you can. Don't worry about the numbers. Don't worry about the numbers. But that is something we're always constantly fighting as streamers. Because you want you want to grow. You want to grow as a streamer. And, you know, you don't yeah. know how to anymore. And, and one of the things I always tell people is that if you're too busy counting, you're not yeah. paying attention what's in front of you. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. Uh, and people, you know, sometimes, like you said, streamers do get lost in the numbers. Um, sometimes it's in the very beginning where they're like, oh, man, I feel like nobody showed up. I don't know how many people are showing up. I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know. All these things. All these thoughts, like, swirl in your head. And then, like, you know, like you did, you did the the best thing you could have done is taken that break. And you reflect on, okay, well, this is what I have. You know, I got to make things right, you know. And then you just assume that nobody would probably you know, feel any sympathy or whatever. Oh, I just, I just, I, in my mind, I was like, well, that's it. That's the fail whale. Like that's the, the people probably clip that, put it all over Reddit. Streamer freaks out on, on viewers. I mean, I didn't, looking back on it, I didn't freak out. I literally just said like, why do I even try? And I cut stream. So it just seemed like a, it was just abrupt. Like I didn't scream at anybody, but it was still like, it was so abrupt and lame. So people were just probably confused. (laughs) It was like, what? Because I think I said something like, nobody's watching. And it was like, yeah, people are watching. What are you talking about? Um, yeah, man. It's If you're focusing, you just got to f- stop focusing on the wrong things. And that's something I got to tell myself all the time. I mean, I, 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 there's bouts of it. I'll go in and out of it, you know, where the numbers will mean more to me than they should. Where I want that growth because I think I put on a good show and I have a good product and I want like, but it's just so stupid to think of it as a product, but it's the same thing you do in stand up where you like your brand, your, your, your whole thing. Um, and you want to be better and you want people to watch you. And so you're just like, I'm very thankful for everybody who shows up to my stream every single day and the people that sub and do all that stuff for me and make, allow me to do this as a living. Um, and it's hard to talk about numbers and stuff like that in a positive light or in a thing without sounding like you're whining and stuff where it's just like, no guys, I just, I want to grow and I don't know how else to grow anymore. It's like, I, you know, I, that's just, that's just the, in, in your head as a streamer, like you, you know, you're putting on your show, you're, you're, you're smiling, you're joking and everything, but you know, at the end of the stream, when you look at those numbers and stuff, yeah, you can't, sometimes you're focused like, It'll literally tell you that you're not growing. You know what I mean? Like, and that's that's a tool. Like I say, don't focus on it a lot because it'll. I don't go into the in-depth stuff. I literally look at just like the viewer average because there you could go in super deep on Twitch. Like you can look at like people who unfollowed you during a stream, your peak hours of viewership. It's, I don't look at that because that would drive me crazy. Where I'm like, oh no, five people unfollowed during this hour, and you know, it, it's it's just it's terrifying stuff. It gets to you, or you look at it and you. you yeah. What is growth? What is that? So a lot of people struggle in the very beginning as far as getting viewership. And in your case, you had Sour Kool-Aid show kind of signal boosting you as in saying, hey, check out the stream, all these stuff kind of start off with 10 viewers. Did you ever feel like um, that moment where you felt very angry or like upset about growth? Do you think it's the the you know, all these, the stuff that people went through the beginning was catching up to you. Yeah. I mean, that definitely could probably be part of it. I, 
but I don't know. I've, I've had a very consistent group of people, even during that time I freaked out as the same people are still here today. Like I've had those people coming to my shows every day and like enjoying it. So I didn't have like a point with like viewership and, or uh, sorry, uh, viewers being in my chat and, and talking to me and, and feeling like nobody was watching. Um, so I don't know about that. Just definitely like the not seeing anything happen or change uh, rapidly. Like, you know, you would see yourself grow by like 10 viewer average every once in a while, you know, and then it would start to be like where you just level out and you have the viewership that you have. And that's about it unless you get like a big host or a raid. Um, but then again, like I say, I think that has a lot to do with that. I am a, primarily a retro streamer and the category is still very small. It's bigger than it's ever been for sure. Uh, but it is still small in the, the scope of what it is. And um, I, yeah, like I said, it's a harder, I don't know how, I don't know how to grow in that channel anymore uh, as a streamer. Like I know what I'm doing and I'm having fun doing what I'm doing. And that's the thing I'm focusing on now. But I don't know how to grow myself in that channel anymore because I'm not like a lot of the other streamers in there. A lot of it is speedrunning. That's a dominant force in in that category. I don't speedrun. I do have some speedrun records. They're all jokes. Don't worry about it. You can look me up on speedrun.com. Somebody can go for my kids on site. Uh, uh, Doug percent category. That's a real thing. Don't worry about it. Look it up. You'll see what I mean. And uh, I, I don't know. I just don't do that stuff or I'm not serious about the games. That's probably a big problem I think about. But I, I enjoy doing I, I'm I'm just for more focused on what I'm doing is it's a show. It's to share the love of the games and, and and to hopefully be funny and and just laugh with these people. And I'm still happy every day that I do it now. And I guess that's the that's the important part. Yeah. And I think sometimes people forget to have fun almost. Oh, yeah. I have to tell Andy to have fun every day, and I, I keep wanting him to tell me that, too. I'm like, hey, tell me to have fun. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, So let's talk a little bit about a moment where um, we talked about this offhand at one point uh, when it was your birthday, and um, you had uh, a certain someone, uh, you know, message me and some other people to send you video messages for your birthday wishing you happy birthday there was no set script it was just supposed to be happy birthday but i believe there was somebody in those cycle of messages that kind of made you think about yourself a little bit um do you remember that uh time oh yeah i mean i uh, every day uh it was i mean it's like two years ago now Jeez, what you one year ago it was two years ago now good god uh or almost two years ago uh, my good friend Melody, uh, she's one of my mods, one of my closest confidants, one of my best friends. Uh, she, unbeknownst to me, went around to a lot of people in my community, uh, other streamers uh, like yourself, and got you guys to say really nice things about me uh, and make video messages. She put together a video package. And then another thing she did was a lot of words and, and pictures and stuff. And she made this big book that I still have. And it's like a big picture book. Uh, and their pictures and clips from the stream, like printed out and, and kind words from a lot of my viewers and, and other people. Um, and then, yeah, she made this video where uh, a bunch of streamers came together and said things about it. And one of them was uh, Proton John, who's a huge, huge support or uh, supporter. I mean, he is a huge supporter of me. He, he's a huge influence on me is what I was trying to say. Um, I, I've, you know, I've, I've watched his stuff for a long time. He's, he's been a huge inspiration 
And then, uh, you know, as well as I know, he just kind of like randomly floats around in the retro category, like as a, as a secret special lurker. And uh, he'd pop in. He raided me a few times because once you get that Proton John raid, that's always a nice feeling. We just get a bunch of wacky, random things happening in your channel. You're like, what's happening? It's chaos. And then it's Proton John raid. Um, and then he, you know, I thought that was like a one-off thing. I was like, ah, man, I got a big raid from the Proton, the Proton John. Wow. Um, and then I would notice uh, just while streaming every once in a while, he'd pop in and just be talking. And I'm like, oh, man, uh, kind of built something up and. I didn't know what was, you know, like if we were buddy, buddy, I was just, you know, he's proton, he's a cool dude, uh, somebody I look up to. And then he uh, became part of that video message. And, you know, he said something really nice that kind of came because, you know, when you have somebody you respect, I respect everybody, like somebody I, as a hero tell you this stuff. He, 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 you know, he, he said, you know, keep doing what you're doing. You're amazing. And I watch you. He said, I watch you because I think you're funny. I, I truly think you're funny, so shut up, stop listening to yourself, and keep doing what you're gonna do. Like I wish I I I wanna I should watch it again to see what he's that's that's I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what he said. And it really hit me and, and made me think I was like, man, Proton John thinks I'm funny. That's a nice feeling. Um and then we kind of became friends after that. I he's he's an awesome dude. I consider John a friend now, which is really rad to say in your life that some of your heroes can be your friends. And you know what? I specifically remember something from that message was that you always wonder why, Scoo, I'm just, you know, lurking away or I'm randomly in your channel. And exactly what he said is that he thinks you're funny. He thinks you're a good guy. And um, that just kind of speaks volumes to the character of, of Proton John. I mean, he's rated especially people in the retro category. And he's really been a big influence in the growth of it, too. Um, I mean, I, I accidentally ignored the first raid when I was playing Battletoads and... Uh, I thought that was the end. So like, okay, well, this guy... And apparently he followed me like in 2015 or something. I had no clue. He just showed up. I'm like, what, is he just bored and looking around the retro section? Like, <laughs> No, like I said, man, he's a, he's a silent supporter, man. He's usually around. The thing is, too, is that... I mean, this is kind of like an off-topic. When you have like um, people like Proton, like people that we really look up to, and they're in your channel... Do you ever get like um, a little nervous or you're like, oh boy, um, but you kind of have to play it cool at the same time. Like when you first encounter them, like anybody, it doesn't have to be Proton, but other streamers that you look up to. Yeah. I mean, it, if anybody I look up to or say, I'm like, oh, you get a little, you know, like I said earlier, we're talking about Steve Cardenas. I try not to be super starstruck or like, like I just try and treat them like normal people because they don't want you to ball the focus. But Pro Proton would pop in uh, in the early times where we were you know in our the beginning of our friendship that i was definitely like oh oh god and i would try and like i have to i have to be on my uh i don't know i gotta be extra entertaining or something and it's like well he's been watching for like an hour just she just wanted to comment on something and so it it would always it would get a little bit like i'd perk up a bit or you know be a little nervous but you know nowadays if he pops in he's just he's just a buddy he's a friend and you know, he can talk crap to me and I can talk crap to him. We have that rapport now, which is nice. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's the thing is like, they're, they're just like everybody else. They just want to watch video games. They want to look at different streamers. Um, but yeah, it, it's, um, I think that was important because I think some people get intimidated when you realize at the end of the day, they're, they're just, you know, this is what they do and this is what they love. Just like everybody else on the platform. Exactly. 
So we talked a little bit about that birthday video message. Um, so you had like all these things happen to you and, uh, you know, your stream currently is, you know, is fantastic and it looks like you're, you're still having fun to this day, Scoot. So this is a part of the podcast where we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, some advice or some tips that we could give to, um, people who are listening or maybe people who are thinking about starting a stream in 2020 as this episode is being recorded, um, we can, you know, talk about how there's a thousand, you know, how to stream videos or gosh, even back in 2015, remember there was no OBS tutorials at all. You had to like figure it all out yourself or if you knew somebody, um, what are some helpful tips for streamers who may or may not be starting their own stream? Uh, and what I mean by starting their own stream, they're streaming for about a week and they're very excited. What, what tips do you have for them? Um, well, I think, I think etiquette is the thing we should probably talk about first. There's a lot of like, there's excitement and then there's, there's love of it and you get that drug. And this is something I had to learn. You know, I didn't know as much too back then, uh, which you just kind of gets ingrained in you. And I don't think people talk about it a lot as streamer etiquette. Um, there's, there's a, there's self-promotion, you know, and stuff like that, that is generally frowned upon on Twitch, uh, like going into people's channels and being like, Hey guys, I'm going to stream. You should come watch me. Don't do that. I mean, that's pretty much a given. Hopefully people know that, or if it, it's not rude to say, uh, it's, it's just kind of like a, don't do that because Hey, guess what? We're on Twitch. Everybody streams. <laughs> We're all streamers, but also this is my show. I don't take my viewers away. And why should they go watch you? They don't know who you are. They're watching me right now. Uh, let me be the one to say, "Hey, you should they, you should go check this person out." And that's a big that's a big part of the etiquette. If you're looking to great, gain viewers, and from an early start, make connections. Like I had Sour Coolie show. Yes, I had a, a had a head start, but I still also from that head start went out and watched other people, made connections like Andy and 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 other members of the community to where they wanted to host me and share their communities with me instead of just being like hey you should watch me because i'm streaming right now that's it's, don't do that that that's a very simple rule like just don't self-promote unless the streamer knows you and asks you hey are you streaming or you want to shout yourself out do that stuff you know or you get shouted out by the streamer that's fine but don't yeah don't go into somebody's chat that you've never experienced ever before and just say even even in like events be like or did you do? Oh, I just got done streaming. It was pretty good. Like, don't just don't. I don't need to hear that. You know what I mean? That's that's not being rude. That's just don't do that. Enjoy the show that you're watching. Um, build a relationship first. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. <laughs> uh, that's I made that mistake before in other channels. I was like, oh, you know, all this excitement. That's what it is. It's pure excitement. And yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, you just all understand it. And uh, the thing is, too, is that. One of the things I always tell people, and they like, well, how do I start? And like, there's legitimately some people who really want to know and don't know, and they don't have any good sources. So I always keep that in mind too. And one of the things I told them is, if you really want to support somebody, or you want them to to kind of notice you, or you want to be like, hey, I like your channel, um, host them. Uh, don't be overly, you know, obnoxious with one person spamming a thousand times until. It takes you five minutes to realize that they're doing uh, this, you know, one man raid. Uh, nothing against wrong one man raids, but in some cases, people frown upon that. 
And the thing is, too, is that um, just raid them and, you know, enjoy their channel. Don't, uh, you know, expect something out of it. Don't expect to fall back. Don't expect any of these things. They will do it on their own. If they, say, if they ask you, hey, what game were you playing? What were you doing? That's where the interest is. And then cut it off from there. And don't make it all about you for 30 minutes. Absolutely. Like if, if somebody's been watching me for a while, like I said, building up that relationship, and then I get a raid from them, like at the beginning or at any point during the stream, and I'm like, oh man, I'm sorry. I didn't know you streamed. Like that's my introduce to you as a streamer. Like you don't have to say it like you I stream, blah, blah, blah. If you raid me and I'm like, oh, it piques my interest. I know you're in my chat. You've been really cool. I, I, I built a relationship with you. I want to check you out. I'll, and I, I often go, oh, cool. I'll check your stream out and I'll click and I'll follow. And then I'll go watch. And it's like, that's how you build that relationship. That's such an easy thing to do. Just host and raid each other, you know, build that networking uh, that way instead of just shouting from the rooftops that you're a streamer because you're on Twitch. Everybody's a streamer. You're not special. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing is, too, is that sometimes people will, um, you know, pump up their stream like it's this big deal. And then you go and it's like, um, where where's all this stuff that was promised? Where's all the goods? Yeah, what are you, what what was I coming here for? Uh, and yeah, I, and I think we have to understand too is that people have different styles and different flavors and different uh, paths of growth. There's a great letter I'll have to link it to you. Dan's Gaming had this uh, long essay he actually wrote uh, to small streamers. He's like, hey, I'm Dan's Gaming. I'm a small streamer, and you're thinking, what? This guy has a thousand viewers. What are you talking about? It's because he's been around for so long. And there's different paths of growth. Some people are successful right away. Um, sometimes it takes you five years to find out what you want to do. Um, and I think uh, people should understand that, is that there are different levels of growth. And you should do it for the fun of it and the fun of being around people and the fun of being in streams. Uh, and I think sometimes people forget about it because they kind of see the, the the fame of it or the... Um, they're you know making money doing this for a living thing always make it fun first yeah absolutely because i told you i i get i get i fall in and out of that myself so i i am no stranger to that at all fun it's fun first and foremost make your stream a very fun place to be and be very nice you know like inviting you but also be in charge of it like it's your stream set your own rules uh don't just try and accommodate everybody if somebody's giving you crap and you don't like them uh ban them that's something i also learned i was very nice in my early days and i just wanted as many viewers as possible and stuff like that but like put your foot down if somebody's being terrible and you don't like their jokes and they just keep going with it and their, their way of talking get rid of them they don't have to be in your stream it's your stream you create the community you create the environment that you want to have on twitch and that's why twitch is so beautiful it is your little planet your little island of of fun and if people don't want to adhere to those rules, they can get out. They can go watch somebody else. That's just how it goes. So don't feel afraid or, or terrible to ban as many people as possible. <laughs> it's a good thing. Actually, that's a good tip. Like, it, I mean, I'm not telling you to be mean and ban everybody, but I'm saying, like, don't be afraid to put your foot down and tell people to, you know, piss off. So here's a question for you, Scoot, that you brought this up. Uh, let's say in your scenario, because your scenario is that you're here to have fun. No downers, right? That's one of the big rules is that, you know, like, for example, what we mean by downers is that when somebody passes away, they go on about it, write a whole wall about it, and they are whatever, you know, they're sorry that this happened. And, like, you know, for some people, they do it because they felt like you could relate to it or something. Um, but 
in this case, Scoop, what would you do here is that, um, you know, there's all about you being control, but there's also, you know, we have other viewers. So here's a question for you. Let's say that somebody was being a downer and then somebody was like, hey, man, you know, don't don't be like that. How do you handle the traffic in your chat as a, as a streamer? Because I feel like some people might struggle with this. Um, I, I just try to explain you know what I mean by no bummers because I'm just like it's a no bummer zone uh, I always try to tell people every time somebody says something like that and I come at them I, I, try, I don't try to be mean unless it's somebody who's like watched me for a long time and they do it and I'm like either they're trolling me or like come on man you know the rules uh, is I don't mean to take anything away from death or sadness because we all deal with it we all deal with sadness we're all dealing with something in our life that's what I always say I say we're all dealing with something Twitch is a distraction. We are here to escape that for a couple hours a day where we can all come to have fun and enjoy ourselves. It's not a place for us all because I'm not your therapist. I'm not here to deal with that. That's I can't do that. I need therapy myself. What it does not has that that works. I can't fix any of your problems other than make you laugh. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be here to make you laugh. So people, they they want to talk about what's happening. I get it. And a lot of the time, it is like a celebrity death or something like that. Um, and they'll come in and be like, did you hear this person died? And I'm like, yes, well, I have the internet. I'm, you know, I know this, you know, like I, I would have been talking about it. But I don't like that because I don't like turning into everybody being like, RIP this person, RIP this person. Then your chat just turns into sadness. Everybody starts bringing up their, you know, sadness. It, it just, it escalates. And that's the human nature. That's just how it goes. So I always say no bummers. I'm so I'm not taking anything away from it. It's just this isn't the place for it, you know. Post that on Facebook or Twitter or in my Discord. I have a Discord channel and I have a bummer chat where I'm like, this is a place where everybody can talk about their sadness. And then it's been actually very nice. Like people post on my Discord in the bummer chat and then people talk to each other and they kind of work through things or they sympathize and they have empathy for each other, which is very nice. And I think that's a good place for it. But in your Twitch chat, it's like, yes, ah, it's not the place for it. I'm sorry that this is not the environment I'm trying to provide for people. And I think that's okay, like I said, to have ground rules. Like maybe people can think you're being an asshole for doing that, but honestly, I don't think it's anywhere near that. It's just, yeah, it's it's you just set your rules, set your rules. Um, be very, yeah, just set your rules. Yeah, and I could definitely relate to that as far as like um, in my stream where there's blind playthrough rules. Like we're very strict about it. And, you know, like, for example, I'm doing a long playthrough of Venture Island. It's like day 20-something. A lot of people are along for the ride. And to have somebody go and, you know, assume I know something or they're, they're and you have other people protecting the run, um, that just shows, like, because they're reflecting off of you as well. And they're trying to, you know, educate people. And like you said, not everybody, there's different streams out there. And sometimes certain streams might not be for that person. Going back to self-promotion. Yeah, you might stream, but you might not be a fit for my audience or who they like, etc. Um, kind of like, you know, you don't tell the streamer what to do. And he throws down the bay hammer for that, too. Absolutely. Yeah, don't tell me what to do. Don't tell the streamer what to do. Like, you're not, it's, it's my stream. I'm going to do whatever I want. Yeah. So, you know, to talk about something a little less harsh, um, what would you... Um, how would you uh, advise somebody for reaching out to a streamer or um, I hate the word networking because it sounds like a total business scam. Uh, sure. Befriending I mean, that's what people, it is, but yeah, I get be, it. Like, you know, being friends with people and having that mutual ground. Um, 
how would how did you approach that as far as like your years here on Twitch? Um, how did you do it? Uh, still to this day, I struggle with it because I absolutely hate networking for the sake of networking. I can't stand it. I'm not about to go out and, and watch people and make a relationship with them just because they have more viewers than I do. And then that will maybe lead them to host me. I, I don't understand that because I'm like, yeah, I guess it might work. But do I enjoy watching their streams at all? Like not everybody's for everybody. That's just how it goes. Like I don't want to watch somebody just for the sake that maybe they'll host me at some point and then you'll build a network there. Like, so my advice is, yeah, don't do that. Don't go just, don't go looking for people who are just going to support you uh, because maybe they have a lot of numbers or a lot of viewers or they look successful and maybe they can help you out. Build relationships with streamers that you actually enjoy. Like go watch people you enjoy, make yourself known in their community but without the intent of that, like just build up a relationship with them. It's the same way as anything else. And, and maybe you'll get added to their stream team or they'll, they'll, like I said, raid them and they'll be like, Oh, I you see you stream. And maybe they'll go watch you and be like, wow, uh, I really enjoy your content. That's what's happened to me. A lot of the people that are on my stream team are people who watched me first, raided me, or I found out about them through somebody else. And I went and watched their channels and then they became some of my favorite people to go watch. And then that's just how it worked. It, you you build this community slowly and grow it out of people. But yeah, I don't. I really don't like the idea of networking for the sake of networking, which a lot of people tell you to do. Like you got to network, man. You got to network. You got to make these connections, and it, it just feels wrong. I don't know. To me personally, I just don't like it because I'm like, I don't. I don't want to watch this person. <laughs> do I want to bring my my audience to that people? Like, do these does this person's audience? Would they like my stuff? Like, am I just, you know, I don't know. No, I can agree. It's like, why would you waste your time and energy on somebody who probably won't watch your stream or care about you when you can be spending time with people who will, you know? Yeah, who are going to be there and that you want to be there because you're like-minded and you're going to probably host them afterwards and all your viewers are going to stay there because they like that person too. So it's, it's, you know, it's a full, it's a self-sustaining ecosystem instead of just being, I'm going to get a host from somebody who has a lot of numbers, but are any of their people are going to stay and watch me? Are they going to follow? Are they going to, am I going to retain those people? No, because I'm completely different content or they don't like me. They like that other person. Like it, it happens, you know? So as somebody who um, runs this stream team and has watched other streamers, um, what are some, uh, good or bad things you've seen streamers do? I don't mean good and bad, but I mean, maybe things you wouldn't do. Um, what are some of the things that attract you to a stream? And what are some things that made you go, oh, I'm not so sure about this. I don't really like this and I might not come back. For anybody out there, I, you know, like I said, my views are completely different than everybody else's. What I like and, you know, everybody, everybody likes what they like. Uh, I... I, I look at Twitch like I like people being entertaining and I like people showing their personality and I like uh, a focus more, I guess, on the streamer than the game. The game, I always say, is there to draw you in and is more the hook and then it's I'm there to talk with the person and be entertained by the person. So for me, a streamer, like I'd like big personalities, uh, humor, stuff like that. There's a, If I go into a stream and the person hasn't said a, a word in like 10 minutes and there's no reason for them not to have said something for 10 minutes then i'm out like i, I give people a chance i'll walk it i'll go to stream and i'll 
watch intently. You know, like I'll see how the chat's flowing. I'll see what they're doing. Like, yeah, if they're focused on a game and it's a really intense part and they haven't said anything because they're just focused, like that's different. But if somebody's sitting there not saying anything, it's not a a game that's that intense and the chat's moving pretty fast and they could read chat and they don't read chat. I'm out. Like I, I, people who don't read chat that, that bothers me or who interact with their chat and kind of just ignore it. Um, cause I'm like, why, why are you even here? What are you even doing? Why don't you just do a long play on YouTube? That's in my mind what I say. And I know it's completely different. Some people just like putting people on as like background noise or something like that. But that's what I said. To each their own. That's a big pet peeve of mine. Like, be entertaining. Sell yourself, you know? But that's that's coming from my stand-up side. That's that's my entertainer heart speaking. And I think Andy has kind of the same thoughts that we are just like, we are entertainers. So when we see somebody not being entertaining, we're just like, it breaks our brains. Yeah, and I think, too, uh, you know, we talked about pro wrestling. Like, the, for example, The Rock and Stone Cold. I used this example before. Um, they're themselves, but turned up to like 200. And I think, I think one of the things that, um, people look for is a lot of, a little bit of themselves in what they do. And I think sometimes, you know, uh, when people going into it, they often watch people and they, um, think they have to be carbon copies of what they've watched and what they consumed. And I think sometimes, you know, whether you learn the lesson or not, like I learned this lesson is to have a little bit of yourself into the channel and just see where it goes. Because often or not, you're going to be more comfortable being yourself than you are trying to be something you're not. Yes, absolutely. It's the same, like the parallels with stand-up are there. Like I said, when you first start out in stand-up, you are emulating stand-ups that you've seen and you don't even notice it. Like I, Brian Regan's one of my favorite comedians of all time. And I would notice after listening to old tapes of myself, like I was just doing Brian Regan, like just ripping Brian Regan off. Uh, and you eventually find your own voice and how you do your style and your comedy. And then it becomes there. So I was a little lucky in that when I transitioned into Twitch, I already knew my voice. I already knew my style of comedy. So it wasn't that hard to transition from that to doing uh, streaming. But like I said, not everybody goes into streaming with the, uh, intention of being a comedy like entertainer. Some people just want to play games, I guess, and have people talk to them. So I don't understand it from that mentality. That that is that is something I don't get. Like I don't understand why other people would want to do it and do that way. I'm just purely basing mine on being entertaining and upbeat. So I don't know. I always say like a lot of people ask me, well, what should I do to get people to watch? Um, and I I kind of consider streaming at that like you're a busker. You're standing on the street corner. Uh, playing your guitar, trying to get people to stop and and drop some quarters in that bucket or just listen to you. So get in the practice of talking to yourself a lot because that's 100% of what you're doing. Like just talk to yourself. If there's nobody there, because one of the things that will turn me off, if I go to somebody who doesn't have a lot of viewers at all and they're just starting and I go into their channel and they're literally not saying anything and they're just looking at the screen waiting for somebody to pop in their chat so that they have something to talk to about, like, I get that. It's very difficult to not have anybody around to, you know, jump off of. But that's something where I'll go, well, I can't do anything for you because I don't want to be the only person in your chat talking. Like, just talk, get in the practice of talking to yourself, talking about what you're doing on screen and and having that out, outward monologue. And I think that'll help a lot of people is just constantly be talking. Well, not constantly, but you know what I mean? Like, 
have something to say, even if nobody's watching, like tell a story or something. I don't know. I'm way more inclined that if I pop into your channel and you're telling a humorous story, even if nobody's there, I'll listen to it. And then I'll be like, oh, cool. And I'll have something to say about it. Because if I go into a channel, even if you're just playing a game and you're not saying anything, what am I supposed to say to you? Am I supposed to say something about the game or you? You know, like I found if I go into another channel and they're, I, I, I jump into the conversation. Like it's, I'll, I'll be in the middle of a conversation. They'll be in the middle of something and I'm like, I'll, I'll jump off of what they're saying about something. And so that's a big part of it. So yeah, if you're just starting out, you don't have a lot of viewers, just get in the practice of talking to yourself. Not like a crazy person, but just literally talking to yourself. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I did that for, for a few years myself. Um, and uh, one of the things too, is that I think people, you know, should be also aware of when they go into streaming is that, um, you know, there's different paces and you kind of have to read the room, whether you're a viewer or whether you're a streamer, um, everyone's got their own style and flavor. So, you know, just always keep a little bit of yourself in there and, um, you know, it, it will might come together one day. It, it There's no magic push button for streaming, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. So um, we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, how what you see in view sorry we talked a little bit about what you see in streamers and the ups and downs and how they perceive it but we also have to talk about too is um you know what are some basic things that a streamer should have going into streaming uh in 2020 uh do you feel like there are certain um equipment is there certain um attitudes that you should have uh, when going into streaming and having fun at the same time, because in 2020 people see money sign basically, but how do you, what are some things that, um, people should do when going into it? Yeah. Oh man, that's a good question. Um, cause yeah, it is very different nowadays than, you know, even just a couple years ago when I started, it was a completely different landscape. Um, and it kind of just turned into what I do for a living. For nowadays, yeah, people are like, well, I could make money on Twitch. Uh, don't go into it for that. Don't think that you're going to start making money immediately because that's not how it works uh, at all. And if anybody still don't, like, I, I still thank anybody who donates to me now. It's ridiculous. Like, it's the, the kindness of people's hearts. Like, so don't go expecting people to give you money or sub to you or anything like that. You got to earn that stuff. Literally, I just earn it. Um but go into it just to have fun, like start it as a hobby and go into it because it makes you feel good and makes you feel nice. That's It's the same thing. Like tell yourself all the time. It's fun. It's fun. It's fun. Something I have to continuously tell myself. And then it is But it is fun. Um, uh, as far as equipment, that's actually a good one because um, you everybody can stream differently. Nobody has to have a camera. If you don't are you're not comfortable being on camera, then don't worry about it. Just just get a, a, a decent sounding microphone and and go from there like our, our good friend proton john he doesn't use a cam he has a cam he just pops it on every once in a while but generally it's no cam and uh it's it's you know he's he's, he's gangbusters a lot of big time streamers they don't use a cam you know so you don't have to have one i think a lot of people think nowadays you have to have a camera um i have a camera because i a lot of what i do is very physical and i like well uh, vanity uh but get what's comfortable to you in terms of equipment um, depending on what you're streaming and everything, you know, your fast computer, I guess if you're going to do PC games, you're going to have to have a pretty decent computer and stuff like that. Um, but work up to the expenses stuff. 
Uh, you could have all the most expensive gear in the world, but is if you're not an entertaining person or you're not a if you're not shining through, it doesn't matter. You could have the best camera, the best microphone, but if you're just still sitting there not saying anything, you know what, what's the point? So work on that stuff first before you upgrade your equipment. Like definitely get like a better microphone than say like a headset mic. But if that's all you have, then go for that. Um, there's a lot of resources out there where you can make even those microphones sound better and decent. And OBS has a lot of tools that you can use to make a microphone sound good. Uh, good. This is actually good advice for anybody, even some streamers out there who don't know about this. If you're using OBS, use compression. It's a very wonderful tool. You're, what you're going to want to do is go to your audio source and your mic, right-click it, and go to filters, add compressor. It will change your life because there's a lot of streamers that still don't realize this where they yell or they scream and the microphone peaks or it goes like, <sighs> like it sounds like crap. Uh, that'll fix that immediately. That'll that'll really help. So compression, please get on that or look it up. There are tutorials all over the place nowadays for streamers, by the way. When I started and and as our, as our esteemed host said, there is it wasn't like that back when we started. Nowadays, there are so many tutorials out there for anything you need to do. If you, you're looking up any amount of things, like you can look on for OBS tutorials at every aspect of it. What microphone to use? What, what webcam to use? How to set up lighting? Lighting is also very important. If you're going to use a cam, please get good lighting. I see so many streamers streaming from like a dark, disgusting room, and you just it just looks I, it looks terrible. I'm sorry. To me personally, it looks absolutely terrible. Get some friggin' lighting. Um, but yes, worry about your content first, and then you can start upgrading your equipment. But there are so many tutorials out there to help you with all this stuff. Uh, there's never been more help, and that's pretty rad. Yeah, like um, like you said, you know, there's so many resources. It's so, um, especially you know, especially in our case with retro games, there's so many resources, and it's so much easier to get your your you know uh, get a head start and to get going. It seems like, um, you know, like I started out with just two crappy laptops and no cam. I used a web. I think my first stream, I used a webcam mic, and then I found out my Turtle Beach headset plugged into the one uh, 3.5 millimeter thing into the laptop. So, and you know what? You kind of made me feel bad. I don't use compression. Uh, you should. You you don't usually need it though because you don't yell a lot. It's for people who are very loud. You you are very quiet and up in there. I think your mic is always set. It's for people who don't like know how to mix their microphone and then they go crazy. You're fine. I've never heard you peak. So uh, it, this is for anybody who hears their microphone and they hear that or whatever and they go too loud. Like you can fix that. It's very easy. Um, I I'll, I also started with a Turtle Beach headset and stuff like that. So I started from, you know, I'd, like it's only been recently that I fully upgraded everything I have in my streaming setup to what I think is perfect for me. But work with what you got. Um and then, oh, this was a good piece of advice. Uh, don't be afraid to ask a streamer that you like and you like their setup what they did. Because that's what I did a lot of it. Like our good friend Barley, uh, who's a wonderful streamer, I believe he was on the show. Uh, I always liked his sound and uh, what his microphone sound like, how he did it. And so as soon as I got a microphone that was almost the same as his, I was I was hitting him up being like, how did you set yours up? How does it? How did you make it sound this way? And people are very you know, even if you don't know them, like if they, as long as they know you from your chat, like don't be afraid to like message people like, Hey, could you possibly help me with this stuff? Like we're, we're all generally pretty nice and we'll, we'd love to help people set up their stuff, you know? 
just just don't be afraid to ask. That's always a nice thing too. Yeah, and for those who can't really afford a mixer and XLR, by the way, um, it's probably the best bet for any like decent sound, like good sounding microphones. Um, I use this voice meter banana. I can monitor everything. I can monitor my um, my in game volume, and I can hear myself, uh, which is really useful. Monitoring yourself and hearing yourself articulate um, really does help you a lot. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of software out there that does that. Voice meter, voice meter, yeah, the banana, the, that thing. Even OBS but, uh, has it. Yeah, OBS has it. You can see how loud you are and how loud the you know the the game is and whatnot. But yeah, it's all, you do, you'll find the balance. And you also watch your VODs. Watch your VODs. That is a great, yes, watch your VODs. Um, I do say, like, work out your content first. But, yes, make it sound at least competent. Like, it, there would be a lot. If somebody goes into your stream and your microphone sounds like it's a garbled mess and it sounds like you're talking out of a tin can and the game volume is either way too loud and we can't hear you or it's so quiet you can't hear it at all, like, those are going to turn people away. So learn about balancing and stuff like that. And I guarantee you'll, you know, you'll catch more people uh, if it at least sounds pretty good, but definitely listen to your VOD, see what you can do. You'll be like, oh, I was really quiet. They couldn't hear me. And that's once again, why I say talk to yourself, because if your whole VOD is you just sitting there not talking, who knows? Maybe your microphone was completely shut off the whole time. We don't know. So talk to yourself, get tests, uh, stream, you know, fine tune your stream to your needs, uh, how you think it sounds good. And then, yeah, work from there. Absolutely. Watch. If you can't watch your VODs for more than five minutes, then you're already, you got to think how the other viewer feels when they're watching your yeah. stream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're just like, Ooh, this sounds terrible. <laughs> and like you said, um, you know, you ask Barley for audio advice. A lot of people are like that. They're more than willing to help, but you know, um, it's good to ask, a couple questions, but don't overload them and everything because it kind of makes it seem like that's all you're interested in. Right. I mean, if you know them, they're your friend. That's fine. One thing like spicy back pain. Also another good, he helped me with the whole compression and uh, getting my microphone to sound really, really wonderful before I talked to Barley about this one. So thank you spicy as well. But yeah, like I say, if you, if you, as long as you're like, a, you, you build up, it's the same thing with networking. You've built up enough of a relationship, but like if you have a streamer that you really, really like, if they, as long as they know you, like, don't be afraid to ask them. But yeah, absolutely. And you know, always feel free to tell people they're doing a good job too, because you know, I feel like a lot of times is that we, you, you know, perhaps you can uh, relate to this. Like, you stream so much, you never really look back on it. Like yeah. we did in this, you know, in this podcast, you're kind of looking back at stuff. But you know, sometimes hearing those things is just like really encouraging to keep going. You know. So much. Yeah. Don't be afraid. Like we live off of flattery, but also just, yeah, knowing that we're doing a good job. And if anybody tells me like I've gotten message every once in a while where somebody you, you'll, you'll be feeling down about yourself in your stream and then somebody will just write you and be like, hey, man, I just wanted you to know that I really, really enjoy your stream and I appreciate everything you do and just keep it up. Like something simple like that is, man, you you have no idea how much that'll brighten up your, like, a streamer's day. Because we are all, I feel like we're all kind of broken people and sad and we, we get very happy on stream. But then the second, yeah, if you hear that, oh, I can't tell you the number of times I've had one of those that just, like, the rest of my day has been fireworks because of that. So don't be afraid to say nice things. But if you want to say something really uh, mean and, and awful, uh, just keep it to yourself. Yeah, I, I even at one time I really enjoyed a streamer's um, stream for a while, and I actually wrote them an email. Um, believe it or not, they probably weren't expecting it because who emails people, right? 
But I was like, you know, I'm thinking they might get a lot of like these game devs who are selling them keys and stuff. I'm like, wouldn't it be nice to have an email? Like just, hey, I think you're doing awesome. Keep up the great work. I see you're working hard. I see it. You know what I mean? But um, so, you know, we talk about uh, etiquette. That's a huge thing. Um, and we talked about equipment and we talked about, you know, just kind of like how you develop yourself as a streamer. So, Scoot, you know, it's kind of like the final since we're kind of towards the end of the episode here. What do you have to say to anybody who is listening, whether they're a streamer, whether they're a viewer or maybe it's somebody who, um, you know, influenced you? Uh, what would you like to say to them since you have the time and you're not streaming, you're not watching chat, you're not worried about everything going wrong. Uh, what would you have to say? Uh, I mean, first off, thanks to anybody who has put up with me over these years. Thank you to anybody who comes back every single night, uh, and watches me and supports me and allows me to do this as my stupid job. That is so amazing that I get to live in a house with my good buddy and we literally rent it use like with, like we're paying for it with with Twitch. Like Twitch is the reason we live in this house. It's so amazing that we get to do this, and I'm so thankful every day for that. Uh, and thanks to the people that support me around the, all the way, all the streamers that I've met. You're all beautiful and wonderful. Um, as far as saying that anything, like once again, as we've said a, a bunch of times over the course of tonight, is um, just have fun. Just just have fun. Twitch is so fun. It's so stupid and wonderful. And, and it's amazing that we get to do it. Uh, I have to constantly sell myself to focus on the right things. Um, but that's just because I'm also a very broken, weird individual. And I don't know what's going on in your life. But, you know, just just focus on the positive. Um, be, be, be happy and, and, and remember that you get to play video games and it's nice. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what else I want to say. It's just find the thing you love and do it, man. I They say that old stupid cliche joke like, the, you find something uh, you love and you'll uh, you'll never work a day in your life, which is complete and utter bullcrap. But uh, there are times when you're streaming and you, you get done and you're like, oh, man, what what did I just do? That was incredible. So live for the moments live for live for the moments and live for the community because it's so dumb to say i think every streamer says it and it's all over tw twitter you know everybody was like my community is the best but i literally wouldn't be anywhere without the the the, the community that i've built and i'm i'm so happy that uh, i get to call a lot of them friends and and that they they give a crap about me they give a crap about me and i give a crap about them absolutely you know like a lot of times people like think about streaming or going into it there's a lot of these things like affiliate you know, to get affiliate and to get all these things, they forget that you got to have fun. And I think that's something we learned from you, Scoot, is that, and you learned that lesson as well, again, is that you got to keep having fun. Don't worry about the viewer count. You know, if you have someone in your chat, that's great. If you don't have anybody in your chat for six months, talk to yourself and um, to just give the best commentary possible. Um, tell stories. Um, you know, explain why this is difficult or why this is fun. Um, people want to hear about you and it's all about, and that's how they learn about you as a personality and a person. Remember people like authentic people. They don't like carbon copies for the most part. Otherwise everybody would be the same. Yeah. 
be undeniably yourself. That's what I told people in stand up too. It's like, why am I watching you if, uh, if your content is exactly like somebody else's? Like, I can go see this anywhere else. Make me want to watch you because I can't get it anywhere else. Make me come back. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so, Scoot, uh, how can people find you? What can they watch you? What would you like to tell the people about your social media? Well, first and foremost, obviously, uh, Twitch, uh, Mr. Scoot, twitch.tv slash Mr. Scoot. That's M-I-S-T-E-R-S-C-O-O-T. Spell that out, Mr. Scoot. Um, I stream uh, Tuesday through Sunday, and I just started a thing where I'm doing two streams a day, which is probably going to be terrible for me or awesome. Uh, right now, it's pretty great. I like getting up to do something. Uh, it sounds rough. It's two days, two times a day, but it's total eight-hour stream. So I do a quick morning stream, 11 a.m. Uh, Pacific time to 2 p.m. Pacific time. So it's a three-hour stream. And then we take a break, and then we come back for my normal time stream, which is 6 p.m. Pacific time to 11 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, so it's a variety of things. We're, we're going over, say, said, you know, a lot of retro, uh, all original hardware uh, from my collection. And then I'm starting to kind of branch out into other stuff. I do some singing. I've been doing Twitch sings a lot. I love that. That's a really awesome community. Um, and, and going forward, we're trying to experiment with some other stuff because there's a lot of stuff that's not considered retro. Uh, so I've been playing a lot of Xbox 360 and weird random crap lately because that's a weird no man's land of the, is it modern? Is it retro? Who gives a crap? Because everybody has their opinion on Twitch, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, that Thursday through Sunday, twice a day, Mondays and Tuesdays are my days off. Come check us out. Come hang out. Uh, come tell me you hate me. Come tell me you love me. Whatever you want. Uh, I'll be there. And I love you. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Scoot Herring and also on Instagram at Scoot Herring. So those are both the same. Um, I'm trying to post more on those. And uh, that's about it. I don't really have much more social media. I mean, what do you want my Snapchat? I'm thinking about getting an OnlyFans and just taking pictures of my belly button. Is that something <laughs> people would be into? Oh, man. I got, a, I got a mole in there. Is that what people are into? I don't know. I mean, you have but, a calendar, yeah. so. <laughs> I do have a I do me. have a Yeah, I do have a sexy dude wire calendar. If you come watch me, I'll, uh, I'll I'll hook you up with a link to that. That's real. That's not a joke. Um, but yeah, I don't. That, that, that's about it. I don't have much more promotion. I just come 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 find me on Twitch, Mr. Scoot. I really appreciate you being on. Uh, I couldn't think of a, a better guest to have on in my first five episodes. Um, you've been through a lot on Twitch, and I feel like people can learn about you, and maybe streamers can learn from your experiences. Um, guys, if you feel like we missed something or you enjoyed the podcast, um, tell Scoot, tell myself, uh, follow the Twitter. Um, Scoot, if there's enough interest, would you like to come back on for a second one? Absolutely. I uh, I hope you had fun here uh, kind of talking about your past. You know, we talked about the Power Ranger that uh, signed your, your Genesis copy. We talked about Sour Coolidge Show. We talked about your roommate, Andy. We, we talked about everything, and I had a lot of fun, and I appreciate you being here. Thanks for having me on, bud. It, it, it's a lot of good, good, good fun. I, nothing I enjoy more in this world than talking about myself. <laughs> I think everyone does secretly. Uh, well, yeah, they absolutely do. Anybody who says they don't, they're like, I don't. I just like talking about. No, you love talking about yourself. Look yourself in the mirror right now. Go, yeah, I love myself. That's what you need to do because you know you do. You love the sound of your own voice. And with that being said, Bunch of vain butts out there. I know, I know who you are. 
Exactly. Exactly. Well, me and Scoot are going to take off. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, let us know what you thought about the episode. Uh, I'm sure Scoot will probably talk about it, and I will talk about it. But most importantly, make sure to follow Streaming Talks on Twitter and uh, to find out updates. And maybe there'll be another cool trailer for our next guest. Uh, let us know. And we appreciate you guys listening. And uh, we will see you next time. Bye, everybody. And that is the end of episode three with Mr. Scoot. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. I hope uh, everybody got something from this episode. Uh, learning through Scoot's experiences and uh, sharing some stories together was a lot of fun. Uh, make sure to follow our Twitter at twitter.com slash streaming talks. Uh, you can follow Mr. Scoot on twitch.tv slash Mr. Scoot. And you can find him on Twitter at twitter.com slash Scoot Herring. So thank you everybody for uh, listening and uh, let us know how we did. And if you felt like we missed anything with Mr. Scoot, let us know on Twitter. Thank you guys for listening and we'll see you the next time.